welcome to the Hawks Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and I appreciate you for tuning on in. I want all the new folks to have uh, jumped aboard subscription-wise. We just crossed 10,800 subscribers here. So thank you to everybody as we just continue to make some great progress this year on the channel. Unfortunately, our team didn't make the greatest of progress today, did they? Falling just short of the Bengals 13 to 17. And sorry, I've got a child next door who's just bawling her tears out. That's not my house here, if you're hearing that <laughs> next door. <clears throat> we have a team falling just short here today. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about in this loss. Uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I do a lot of these post-game wrap-ups over the past couple of years, and it's always an interesting thing for me at times in doing those post-game wrap-ups because um, oftentimes there's as much traffic that comes from other fans coming in to see what I'm going to have to say about their their victory or loss against us. And something that they'll often say when we do come to one of our, our times of losing the game is they'll come in and they'll say, you know, why you got to oh, you know, you got to give us some credit for doing what we did. You know, we got to give it. And oftentimes I don't agree with their take on that and and go no there's this is the reason why if i'm if i'm in disagreement sometimes i'm in agreement i think this would be one of those games i do find myself in agreement more than disagreement on that in the belief of these are two very good teams going to head to head it is a a game that you would certainly like to better performance and we can go and try to find the the bad guy and and who's the bad guy to go point to in the game but you do come down to a game where it's a hard fought contest two good teams they get paid on the other side of the football too. They're very talented on the other side of the football too. And they were able to carry the day and uh, just barely so. They didn't beat you by double digits. They didn't run run past you and lap you on the field. It was a game that came right down to the wire. And it's frustrating as hell when the offense seemingly just has every chance to get this to get it done. And it's right there even at the 10-yard line at the end. And you've done the hard work. You know, it's Happy Gilmore where he's just, you know, just go in your hole. Just go in your hole. Don't you want to go to your home? You know, the ball. Don't you want it to score? Score. And uh, so I'm going to get there's going to be frustration in this chat. I I think um, <clears throat> the place that I'm I'm probably not going to fight a lot with, and I'm just going to make my my feelings apparent on this from really clear from the jump. And that there, I can already see online. I did the Bleach Report show over there on the other side of things uh, after the stream. And I'm already getting a feeling of there being a, a good, you know, there's contingents within every fan base that feels the same, feels a certain way, not a single person or a small little group, but a contingent. And there's a contingent right now that does seem to have a bit of a feel with this, that this is just really Gino and Gino solely to blame a bit. And uh, I'm not going to go through up and down, left and right, and into this argument a ton of times. I'm going to unpack it right here, right now. Um, at 3.45, and I'm going to point to people back in the stream back to three minutes and 45 minutes, 45 seconds into this because I'm not going to rehash it a bunch over and over again and re-enlist re this argument with the folks that feel that way. Um, let me go point by point. First off, agreed with the frustrations with Gino. Agreed with those that are wanting to see more from him out of this game. Uh, agree with those that want to put, if we've got to put a, a person on this member on this football team to say, there is, there is one individual member who's got more blame on this game than anybody else. I'll, I'll even agree with you to maybe to lean to Gino on that. The place where I'm going to have a problem is there's a lot of people jumping off Gino train completely on a performance like this or saying, well, see, this is why there's this. We'll see, this is why he can't win you a Super Bowl or he's not the man to carry the day and we've got to go find another quarterback or another one that I've heard reference, Drew Locke, if he was in here. 
would have uh, uh, magically made this game happen. Like he would have overcome where Gino could not. Uh, <clears throat> this is the one where I'm not going to quite see an alignment with you. You may be right on this if that's your your take and all that, and we may be in a, in a place of disagreement if you do think that way, but I, I can't feel that way. Number one with Drew Locke. <clears throat> Let's unpack this backwards to front. Drew Locke going out there and being in start of, of Geno Smith. If we go back to Drew Locke and his performance with the Denver Broncos, a big part of his struggles as a young quarterback there with the Denver Broncos was being under duress, under a pressure, didn't handle it particularly too well. You would have had him in this game with three-fifths of your offensive line out under pressure a good amount of the time. And to think and believe that Drew Locke is magically going to have, have fixed that those issues in this time, and that you'll not see any of that, um, is a guess, I think, on someone's part taking that take. Not to mention Locke wasn't even ready or healthy for this game, but even if he was, I don't know that he necessarily is guaranteed to do better than Gino did in this game. The pressure aspect of this cannot be undersold. It's one of the things that I'm pretty consistent on when I talk about young quarterbacks coming out of college and saying, look, you uh, the performance of the quarterback, we think of it in this modern age, like or these are the guys that are like, the LeBrons of, of their team, you know, they're out there carrying the team around and it's on their back to do what they do. And it's, and like, that's the, the, the cape flapping in the wind and they shoot laser, laser beams out of their eyes and bop, 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 right. But that's not really the way it works. And that's not really the way that this team has set this up to be. And playing the quarterback position is actually one that's very reliant on your pass protection being really good in front of you to allow you to be successful and to have some guys up front that are managing and getting that task done, to have a ground game that's being somewhat successful to load balance some of that heavy weight so that teams can't just pin their ears back and fly at you off the blocks every single snap like the Bengals were able to do in this game. I've long said this, so I'm consistent in my approach on this in that when those young quarterbacks come out of college and they're top 10, top five picks, these teams go, okay, go superhero, do your thing. And instead, what they should be doing is set the stage for the guy properly. Get your line in place. Get your playmakers in line. But get your line in place even before playmakers, in my opinion. And I think today is a little bit of an indication of that. The Seahawks and Waldron have overcome having been down four-fifths and five-fifths their offensive line. Today, they were not over to, able to overcome the down three-fifths of their offensive line. And when I look at, if we really have to get to a point, which I hate doing, of just taking everything down in a, a game with so much depth and detail and trying to distill it all down to one single you know, point of, of failure or, or point that didn't work. Offensive line is more the place. And it's why, not because it's a bad offensive line. Charles Cross did a good job bouncing back. Browns continues to be pretty solid up in the, from the center position in there. But because you're moving Haynes from right guard to left guard, and then you've got a rookie in their fourth round pick, and then you've got Curhan, an undrafted guy out there at right tackle. And this hurts you in a couple of different places. This hurts you in running the ball. This hurts you in picking up blitzes properly. Um, this hurts you in just straight up pass protection. And it makes playing the quarterback position much harder to do. And you're going to be much more likely to have mistakes from the position and a lack of productivity from your offense when that begins to be a failure point of the offense. And I would argue it was a bit of a failure point. It didn't completely fall apart, but it was a failure point. You know, <clears throat> And so... Again, coming back to Gino could have played better. I'm not letting him off the hook. I'm not saying that that all excuses or all covers up the fact that he didn't play well. 
And a guy in the storm like this, a veteran quarterback, you'd like him to overcome some of that sometimes. You'd like the decision-making to be more decisive. But even on those points, I'm going to be very interested to go back and look at the All-22 tape and see if there were not times where you're looking at him in the pocket and you're going, Gino, you've got all day to throw, and we're going to come to find in the All-22 tape But the reason that he had that time to throw was he had Max Protect in there, and then he's only got like three receivers running their routes down the field, and that those guys aren't getting open. And he doesn't have any scramble lanes to necessarily get through. Now, should he maybe just throw the ball away at that point? If that's, yeah, maybe more of that than take a sack, sure. And way too many t- sacks today from Geno taken, um, they, they shouldn't have been good. But even of the two interceptions, one you can kind of put right on DK Metcalf as much as anybody. He just sort of stops running his route. He's, it looks like he's supposed to run a post route. He just kind of comes to a stop. So I, I'm not going to be at that place of saying that this is this is Geno. I think Waldron as well, who's been an awesome and and a great play, you know offensive play caller for us uh, up until this point. But I think the last two weeks have been kind of rough road of Waldron trying to find a way through some of the issues that are going on with this offensive line because of the injuries. And I think it's going to get better. And so <clears throat> this isn't, I don't think, a representatory game of Geno and his ability or what he is or that... There always seems to be this itching, itching need to be like, see, now he's been exposed. You know, the man's thrown for over 300 yards three games this year so far. Uh, and he's done so without at any one given point outside of what, at two quarters of this first opening game. In those two quarters, I believe you didn't have a punt. Um, he's been very productive. And the red zone woes, again, hard to put just simply on Geno. I mean, some of it's got to go to Waldron. What was that offensive play calling down there? What has been the what has been their offensive play calling approach down there? There's there doesn't seem to be a how are you trying to attack? Why are you going away from the run so much? I know you couldn't run the ball in this game, but there were times down in the red zone. There have been many times down there in recent history that they just they bail completely on the run game, almost completely. And you go, man, you got two second round backs. I know there's not a lot of holes to be had there, but these guys have shown you you don't need a lot of holes to be had down there for them to go find space, go find a touchdown, get a score. And there seems to be at times with Waldron, not a, a poor, full on poor, poor, bad game from him, but just wasn't necessarily an A game from Waldron either. And this is where we come to this being more of a team effort from, from the standpoint of trying to explain why this loss happened. But I come away more encouraged in this game than I'm going to come away discouraged because of the fact that this is a Bengals team that I do believe is one of the best in the AFC. Burrow, I do believe, is probably second best maybe quarterback in this sport. And you held him to 186 yards in his house. That's with Higgins back in the fold. And that's where we get to the, the part with the defense. Five straight stops at the end of this game. Tightening their coverage. Being multiple. Linebackers playing well. The youngsters on the outside playing well. Trey Brown getting his second interception in the season. Jamal Adams back in the mix and looking good. You shut down this Bengals offense to me. Now we look at that Giants performance and now that stops looking a little bit less like a mirage and a little bit more like the the beginning starting strong step to a team starting to round out that unit a little bit more as we go down the course of this season. I'm encouraged by that. Offense, you get back merely Lucas. Just get me back Lucas. I can have some fluctuating pieces up front on the middle, but just get me back Lucas and Cross on my edges, my most two most important offensive linemen on this offense. And I think you're going to find the productivity of this offense go up with it. I think you're going to see the performance of Geno Smith go up with it. I think the rushing lanes are going to open up a lot more with it. So I, I, I still think that offense will be fine going into the future. 
I think the Bengals' defense is pretty good. Pretty good. And as disheartened as you might be by Geno's performance, what happened with the rushing attack? You got a Bengals team coming in defensively that's, what, 30th against the rush? And you couldn't get more than three and a half yards per carry average on them on the day. But how, how was that? You know, that's not on Geno on that. In fact, he had one of the best runs of the day he audibled to, to Kenneth Walker up the middle, beating a blitz. So a lot of, a lot of spans to hang out, but I, I look at the offense and go, that's not going to be the way they're going to play it throughout the course of the season. They're going to find their ground game. It's too talented, too good. The health of the team is good on the skill positions at the running back positions, tight end positions, all good there. Get a, get a healthy body or two back inside and it'll be dynamite. Defense, two performances back to back. Again, one against one of the better offenses in the sport. I think that carries a little bit forward. I ain't saying they're dominant now, but I'm saying if we're looking at the, the a lot of people in my chat, those opening couple drives of the Bengals were like, I was reading my chat and I'm just smiling. They're like, oh, see, defense is this, defense is that. This is, uh, you know, we're coming to these conclusions quick and I know that that's what fandoms do, but you got to give a little bit of time to breathe, you know? You got to open that wine cork and let it breathe. Give it a little bit of time to breathe. And these two performances carry forward. Offense is going to get better with the health of that line. And then the special teams unit once again doing its job. Dixon, two punts inside the 20. Only three punts on the day. Average doesn't look good, but he didn't have that many putting opportunities. And two of them were to try to pin them inside the 20-yard line at that. Myers bounces back, hits his two kicks, including a 55-yarder. DJ Dallas with a 21-yard punt return. Your special teams unit remains a top three unit. Your defense is getting out of that back end point that we hoped that they could get off last year. Oh, by the way, they once again, for another straight game, for every single straight game this season, continue to stop the run. That's going to carry forward. And the offense, as it gets into shape, will be just fine. It's a long season, and I know people are, are chomping at the bit for the team to play its best and to be maximizing all of these opportunities. But let's not undersell this Bengal team either. This is not some back-end, bottom cellar-dweller team that you made look brilliant. You took a team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago on the road in their house, 10 a.m., and you took them right to the brink. You were 10 yards away from winning that football game at the end of the game. There'll be times I'm going to go on rants and, and times I'm going to get dissuaded and times I'm going to go off and be pissed at this team like I was week one. And I was valid in my reaction to week one because that team didn't show up. And that's the opening game of the season. My God. Come on, you can't show up for the opening game of the season, but they've turned that around with that energy. And they found their footing from a fight standpoint. And they're starting to find their footing from a schematic standpoint. And the team looks like it might have strengths all the way around, depending on how high up this defense can go with all hands now back on deck. So I know there's, I'm not asking people not to be dissuaded after a loss or to put that smile, put that frown upside down. That's the thing that makes me the maddest when we're after a loss is amazing. Just be positive. Just be positive. But if you can look at how my one week one reaction was and look at where my reaction is now and understand that, you know, there's to me, from my standpoint, this is my, this is what people are going to ask me is my standpoint. I think there's a time and the place and there's time and place to freak out and say this guy and this guy and get me the hook there and get this guy and drop that. And, you know, everybody's basically like an Austin Powers, Dr. Evil with their little chair and their buttons. And they're just waiting to push the button to drop the guy off the chair into the fire pit. And I'm not doing that. I think this is way more to look to and be encouraged by than to be dissuaded. I think this is going to be fine long-term. And I wouldn't say this to you guys unless I actually felt it. So I know there'll be people that feel out that way. That's where I'm going to stand on this loss and feel from this loss. I think um, it was, it was, it was tough. Tough way to lose that way. Have so many opportunities after the defense was playing so good, but our defense is playing so good. 
And we haven't been able to say that very often, very much lately. And we're looking at an offense going, man, we want more of that offense. An offense still, still throw for well over 300 yards, have some moments on the ground where there's some, some daylight. I think, uh, and you did that. You've gone on this current plane and run where you're at three and two down most of your offensive line over the course of the season. What are they going to do when they've got most of those guys back? It's going to look better? Yeah, it's going to look better. Uh, appreciate you guys watching tonight. Please hit that like button if you could for me. And uh, hopefully we can turn this around next week. Let's chop this up and, and figure this one out a little bit. Uh, as always, I just ask, please, uh, no matter where you stand on the discussion, let's please try to keep it respectful. I know on emotional nights like this, there's a drive to start to get real uh, angry and pissed. Let's just try not to as we can tonight. I'd ask. I know people are in their emotions and feelings on that, but um, it doesn't help the discussion if we just start getting at each other and start, you know, whatever. I mean, we all got perspectives, all got some validity to it. You feel the way you did. I'm, I know I'm disagreeing with it on this opening sentiment, but uh, I understand and respect where you're coming from. And as I say, it's a contingent. There's people out there that are more than just one that they feel this way. I can see coming off the sloths. I just can't quite get there myself. Herbicide, I hope you're doing good. Says I'm a little pissy after this one. I get it. I get it. JL, that was a tough one to watch, and I imagine there'll be. I imagine this one will be as well, but I'm here for it. B. I'm going to be pretty positive tonight. I, I don't f see, I don't, normally I've got a kick of uh, negativity running through me after a, a loss, especially a tough loss, but I think the team fought really hard in this game. I think their energy was great. Um, I think they were fighting their butt off out there, and I think they just came short. Yeah. Sean Lee should have gone back to more tight end pass protection packages. They did a little bit of it. Probably could have worked a little bit more in. It seemed like there was certainly a drive in this game to try to get Jackson Smith and Jigba a little bit more worked into the offense as, as a big push over the bye. And um, that might have come at a little bit of the cost of the pass protections. Yeah, certainly seems like this might have been the game you were under the most duress so far. Phoebe says, I'm just glad I don't have to look at Arizona's trap game. We should be post after this loss. Well, we got a, yeah, a good game to potentially get right on. And I do not think we're going to be overlooking Arizona coming off the end of this uh, one. Well said. Empower Code still feeling like crap from that loss. We'll take some time to recover from a pitiful offensive performance. Trying to find the silver lining is hard. Hats off to the defense, though. Nothing but praise for them. So it is always a tough in, in these kind of performances like that. I agree. And the offense had some painful, as you say, painful offensive performance in the second half was uh, uh, certainly true. I, I think that it's, a situation for me that if I try to put in perspective of what happens with other teams, I put any other team out there and I take three-fifths of their offensive line and pull them basically out, move them out of either out or out of position, I, I think that it's just gonna it is going to to curtail an offensive performance. It's it's hard to get around that. It's an easier said than done, even with the playmakers we have. You need your line. And I think that Curhan is a very, very, very far drop off from what you get with Abraham Lucas. And Bradford, I think, is going to be a tremendous guard into the future, but I think he's he's still very raw, and he's a rookie. And I have long thought Haynes would be best at left guard, whereas they've moved him to right guard. But this game did not prove that. Is I think DJ Reader ate him his lunch through a, a large portion of this game. He took his lunch, and he took next day's lunch, and the day, the day after that, lunch too. Uh, Herbicide says, Geno sucked today. The offensive line sucked today. Waldron sucked today. DK sucked today. It's a good way of putting it, man. There's a lot of suckage. Spaceballs, you know. The scene where they're looking at the planet trying to suck the audience. Suck, suck, suck. Nicholas Newton. What the F is Pete talking about? That was an incredible game. It wasn't incredible at all. The defense was great, though. But that doesn't make it incredible. 
I mean, incredible is maybe not the right choice of word with Pete. Um, it was a, it was a, I mean, a, to me, it was an entertaining game. It, there's definitely a frustrating point to it. But um, as I was saying too at the top of this, I mean, the, that team gets paid to, to try to win games on the other side too. And that's not just some weak, weak need team that you were going up against on the other side. That's a team that's playing at home, needs this game. They have a tough schedule coming up. They were locked in. They've, they lost some early games. So you're going to get their best performance. And, um, but it's, it's frustrating. Like I said, I will totally get those that are totally super, super frustrated on this. I'm not trying to push back on you. I'm just not quite into the super freak out mode off the end of this game myself. I'm not saying that's where you are, Nicholas. Just that's, you know, I think we're going to be good long-term. I really do. Gavin uh, says, when it comes down to it, we didn't have to have it to get it done. Not, not good enough, but maybe the Hawks are, we don't know. I think it's still early in the year too. It's time to still get this team to its best state, best performance. A um, couple donations here. Sorry, a little late on acknowledgement. Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, uh, Brandon, give me a parlay for Sunday night football. I'm only going to throw down minuscule amount. So no pressure. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. Thank you for the donation. Let me take a look here. Let me take a look. So, let's go with, uh, well, let's, I'm going to probably go for a later matchup here rather than one of the current ones going. So that's too, that's too weird, Garth. All right, so we got uh, Buffalo and New York. Okay, let's operate off that one. We're going to go with... Um, These are tough. All right, so let's go with uh, 4.5 tackles, and I'm going to take a uh, 4.5 tackles for Micah Hyde plus assists tonight. Let's go with uh, Cowboys. Dak Prescott higher than 257. He's going to try to bounce back against the Chargers. And we'll go with C.D. Lamb higher than five and a half receptions. Let's go with Tyler. I'll read that. So Tyler Bass, three X points, three extra points made versus the Giants. And then um, I 
All right. So we'll go with this. All right. So Garth, if you're listening, we're doing Micah Hyde more than four and a half tackles plus assists higher. Dak Prescott higher than 257 passing yards. CD Lamb more than 5.5 receptions. Tyler Bass more than three extra points made. The kicker for the Bills. And then Gabe Davis for more than 41 and a half receiving yards. Those are my, those are my pickums for you. Let me know if uh, if you didn't get that. Hyde, four and a half tackles. Prescott, 257 passing. CD, more receptions. Bass, more extra points. Gabe Davis, more receiving yards. Thank you, though, Gart. Appreciate that donation, bro. And good luck to you, man. I've been on a little bit of a cold streak lately myself. Trying to snap out of it. I stay old. Thank you for the $2 donation. It says 50% on Geno, 25% on the offensive line, 25% on Waldron. So I would probably flip just the number. Uh, I would probably go 50 offensive line, 25 Geno, 25 Waldron. So I'm pretty close to you, but I'd probably put a little bit more on the line. Thank you though, Snail. Appreciate you. Mick Frewer, uh, thank you for the $5 donation. Mick says, this was my first live Seahawks game. I don't know what was worse. The Bengals fan behind me throwing up on me or the offense in the red zone. They, they, they're pretty much, they're pretty much equivalency, Mick, pretty much equivalency at that point. Um, that sucks. Guys out there getting blasted and saying, oh, I'm so drunk. Yeah. Whenever you try to throw it, if you're wearing Hawks gear, that might've been purposeful. I would not put that past them. I really wouldn't. Uh, and the red zone offense remains a, a complete and uh, utter disaster at the moment. Uh, you've um, had issues with it last year. Definitely issues with it early on this season so far. I, I think a big part of the problem is running it. But I mean, hell, we had a point in this game where we tried back-to-back runs from like the seven-yard line, doing exactly what I'm basically calling for Waldron to do. And you didn't get like but a yard and a half, I think, collectively between the two plays. They, the, the team just loses uh, a lot of its effectiveness down in there. I wonder if some of it will be improved with a better offensive line. But, you know, it wasn't good last year, though, too. So this is a place where Waldron kind of needs to, you know, go into his bag and get get onto the chalkboard and find a way to get something creatively done here. Um, it does seem like the plays go down in the goal line. I know there's not a lot of time down there, but there's a couple things that happen in addition to not being able to run the ball or commit, a commitment to running the ball. And that is that whatever it is that's Waldron calling seems to be a one-read situation for Gino, where he's looking to the one read and then you see him go into panic Gino mode. And uh, I, I don't know why there's not multitude of things kind of, okay, if a blitz does come, you have that. There's oftentimes not a, another thing is not a hot route that's there available. Some of this I've wondered is if the extra guys you're kind of keep in for pass pro is remove the hots um, as much in the offense here in recent weeks. Part of where I think the impact has come into play. But I think there's, as we say with these things, there's a multitude of things going on there. It's causing the failure of it, but it is a failure at this current moment. And it's, it's, it's going to hold this offense back. You got to get in more touchdowns in. And with the two backs that you have running right now, um, there's no reason that you shouldn't be, but the line's the one reason, I guess that'd be the one reason that maybe that we'll see if that's an, an excuse or an explanation as we move through the year, Mick. Sorry, that wasn't uh, the greatest of game to go see live, but uh, I hope it was at least somewhat of a cool experience. Hard though, because once somebody vomits on you, that's pretty much that pretty much takes the whole experience. I mean, we could have been by three touchdowns. Like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, what? What is is that? 
oh, you can't even clean that up. You just have to sit there. It's on your back. You, you know, just do this. You're looking dumb and sit there and try to, is it off? Is it, no, it's not off. It's going to be on there for the rest of your life. Throw all that stuff away. That will never wash off. Especially because they probably had like some brats, you know, a little bit of chili. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mick. That's tough, brother. It's tough. Thank you, though, for the donation. Holy Hand Grenade has been celebrating three months as a Hawk's Nest member, and I thank you for that, Holy Hand Grenade. It is odd how I'm not as upset about this loss as week one. This is the place I find myself in, Holy Hand Grenade. I, I would, I don't fade the funk here. I'm not a, as people know, I lament this often of being the pom-pom waiver attitude on things. There's different type of losses. There's different type of teams you play. There's different type of expectations for what's given on in a given situation. And uh, when I apply that model to this game, I don't come anywhere near the place that I would have been in with the Rams game. That's at home. That's the opening week of the season. And your team was not up to play that team. I maintain that. I know McVay gives Carroll all sorts of fits and the whole, they're not actually tanking. They're actually a pretty good team thing is a valid is a valid thing to say as well, but I, I still do come down to it. You lost that game because you didn't get up to win that. You didn't get up to play that game. You kind of went in there thinking you're just going <clears> to <throat> moonwalk your way through that Rams team at home, and uh, that was not the case. So, yeah, that one got me hot, and I still think I was rightfully hot at that game. Even Coach Carroll himself referenced that week one game of not being your typical just bad loss. It was a little bit of a step, a cut above just just being, uh, oh, just opening bad, just cut, you know, flush it away. It didn't happen. No, that was a bad one. But I'm not in that mode with this one. I think that this team's got encouraging signs for the future. If you'd come through this game and lost 31 to, to 37 and the defense was unable to, to stop that offense like we've seen them do against the Lions or the Panthers, might be more in a worried state where I go, well, yep, looks like the defense is just going to not have any answers in coverage this season. But they showed you there might be some answers there in coverage. And I think the offense gets better with the, the more improved line. That's how I feel too, Holy Hand Grenade. Samuel Freeman, thank you for the $2 donation. I'm annoyed, but the defense played well. Go Hawks. It's a good way of putting it, man. It's a good way of putting it. You do feel like this is an, a, an opportunity was there to take. You were right there at the end. You had multiple opportunities from an offensive side of the ball, not just that no room for error, one shot or done kind of thing. Multiple opportunities, four downs at the end. And uh, you just had no play call to call upon, no answer to the Bengals' blitz or pressure fronts at the end there. It seemed to get worse as the game went along. I think the more that they knew you were one-dimensional, it especially got worse. But um, go Hawks, man. Go Hawks, Samuel. And thank you for that donation. Phoebe Moore Seahawks, thank you for the fiver. I appreciate you, brother. You guys have to remember Bradford was supposed to be a project. For someone being a project, he's playing good. I think that's a fair uh, way of putting it. Phoebe Moore Seahawks, and I don't, I don't have any issues with Bradford and the way he is playing. I because, like you say, he was a project. He was very raw coming out of college, and uh, the fact that he's been brought along to be functional enough as he has by Dickerson this early on in the season, this early on in his career, I think has been nothing but encouraging for me in his long term. I think it just becomes that it becomes more of a brighter spotlight. His sort of 50-50 swing rate uh, on his blocks a bit when you've got the guys at the left guard and the right tackle that are also kind of having that same failure rate. And so now it just looks even worse for the wear at that point, as opposed to if you had four fits your line in and guys were holding up their end at the other points of the line. And he was just the kind of having those trouble spots or you could slide the guard protection to his side from time to time or the center protection to his side from more time to time to help him. Um, but I don't know if that's as much the case. I'm sure if we look at back in the tape here with Brown, he's probably 
shifting both directions there to help out either way. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's understandable where he's playing where he is, and it's pretty good, pretty good. All thing, all all being equal, feed me. Well said, Thaddeus Sexton. Thank you for the five dollar donation. Says, would you still trade for a defensive tackle or a defensive end like Derek Brown, DeForest Buckner, Chase Young, even though our defense played great? Good question. Uh, let's first backtrack to Chase Young, Thaddeus, uh, and thank you for that $5 dono. I'm a no on Chase Young at this point. I think our edges are going to be good enough as we go along through the season. I think the only way that you would make a Chase Young trade is if you were going to flip him for Daryl Taylor. And uh, even then, I'm not sure... I'm not sure you're going to get Chase a whole lot of snaps if you did move him that way. I, it, it just doesn't... I don't see where the outside's going to work, Thaddeus, where they're at with that. Now, DeForest Buckner, Derek Brown. Yes, I probably would. I, I love the way the defense is played. And um, I can get those people that would say I would stand pat, but I think that if I'm able to get DeForest Buckner, Derek Brown, on what I would consider a depressed deal, and what I would say, what's what I put in consideration of a depressed deal, I would say is if I'm getting a DeForest Buckner for a second round plus a kicker pick or Derek Brown in there for a third, second, third round pick, if I can ply them from those teams for that kind of deal, I would do that because it's only going to strengthen this defense further. And uh, while Mario Edwards Jr. and Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed are doing, holding the line well inside, I th certainly think... If you flopped out Miles Adams for uh, Mario Edwards Jr. and then flopped out Mario Edwards Jr. slap for a DeForest Buckner, I think that that does make you even better defensively up front. It, I'm not going to, though, as well, pound the table, Thaddeus, in an aggressive fashion to say, I have, I, they got to go make a move, get something done. This, this needs to happen now. I think if the team wants to stand pat at this point and say, we want to trust this process out to develop this year. We like what we're seeing across the board from the signs of life. We think we're going to get healthier. Uh, you bring a guard in, for instance, to try to help that line. It's a little late in the day to do so. He's going to have to learn the whole playbook. There's no continuity. Who knows if we're going to have chemistry between him and the group. So that doesn't give you the instant returns of going for other positions as far as a rent a deal or something like that. So if the team was to stand pat, I'd be okay with the two, Thaddeus. But... If you can get one of these two teams to move one of those players, the Colts go, okay, we're going sell mode, Taylor, bye. DeForest Buckner, bye. Maybe even they move Grover Stewart, you know. We're going to try to just go. We're, we're now the Marvison Harrison sweepstakes, you know. We're going to match him, we're match him up with uh, Richardson. That's what we're going to do. Then jump, if you can jump. I don't know that those deals are going to be there to made, to be made, Thaddeus. But I would if they I would, because I think you're going to get them in a depressed, depressed value. Uh, thank you, though. Appreciate the donation. Jeffrey A. Thistle. Thank you for the $10 donation, Jeffrey. And as well, I know you put multiple donos in on the earlier part of the stream, so appreciate you for that. Thank you for that, brother. You're awesome. After the Mariners painfully mediocre and the, Mar and the manager basically saying that was the plan, I always feel like the Hawks should be better than they are and yet feeling like the plan might be the same here. Um... It's an understandable, it's an understandable feeling to have, Jeffrey. 
And uh, if I may, let me pull something up that might help illustrate your point. Um, got something to show you guys. I've been meaning to kind of show you guys this. If it will come up. Do, 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 do. So I think to Jeffrey's point, if I may hijack your whole point here and just take it over, Jeffrey, you know, if I may. Where did that go? Nice. Then I download. Right, one of those. Yeah, let's see if I can. There we go. So uh, there's this cool little thing somebody did. If my stupid computer will update so I can show it to you guys. It's not letting me play it. So I don't know why it's being silly, but okay. Do this the old fashioned way. Holy mackerel, man. Why does everything got to be so freaking hard? Oh, dude. I know this is riveting you guys, but I think you'll like seeing this. But this is in regards to Jeffrey's points. So I want to show this. Oh, God, dude. Yeah. Windows sucks sometimes with their stupid crap. Can't get to an image you want to get to because I got to change this to change it to PNG. All right. I don't know why that's not showing up. Anyway, uh, I'll let you guys know. Just read it off to you. The Seahawks would have had the most. It, somebody did a compilation of a 10-year span with the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, it showed that um, it showed that the Seattle Seahawks had, if they were a baseball team over that time, because if you take the last 10 years with the 16 games and even a couple games, that you would have put is um, even a couple games that you would have put with the extra 17th game season. The Seattle Seahawks, I think I finally got it figured out here. The Seattle Seahawks would have had well over 100 wins. And so uh, this does get people thinking a little bit like Jeffrey's intimating here. There we go. So you guys can see it. I'll put it in front of my face here and you can kind of see this a bit. This gives you a breakdown of those teams over a 10-year period and how they did just if you were to turn them into a baseball win and loss. Like 162 games is played for the baseball season. You take 10 games of uh, 10 years of football games, 16 games a season. You get up to, with a couple extra seasons of two games, you get up to that good even season marker with baseball. And what you what's nice about doing looking at this is that, of course, during that whole period of time, Coach Carroll and John Schneider have been here. So it's been a Seahawk regime over that period of time. Uh, the, the exact same one. So it's not everyone on this list, save the Bills you and maybe the Steelers, you would have as having different points come kind of in there. Um, interesting to note, though, that when you look at the Steelers, Patriots, and Seahawks, those are the three teams that have kept that coach or at least the same coach throughout this period of time. And they have had some of the best success cumulatively or have had the best success cumulatively absent the Chiefs who have also had a coach in place throughout this period of time. So it's um, that part first off is interesting, but you'll notice the Seahawks on my little board here have 102 wins over that 10 year span. And that's better than anybody else in the NFC, including the Packers at hundred wins. 
over this 10 year period. And so Jeffrey's intimating a little bit with, you know, with um, the manager and DePoto talking about the 54%. And we hear oftentimes from Schneider and Carol talking about how much they value being a consistent winner. Is that coming at a point then are you, is it more than the importance is to be the consistent winner over is going forward in a particular year? I understand completely, Jeffrey, the thinking and, and intuition maybe that this might be the case because there's data here supplied. I mean, I've got them showing you a team that's got more wins than anybody else in the NFC, yet they haven't been to a conference championship in 10 years. I mean, it does, it does on, the say, on the surface of it, on the face of it kind of add up in that respect. The place that it doesn't quite get to there for me though is because when I look at this 10-year run, I think a lot of the issue and reason you topped out as a team of being a one and done or barely getting the playoffs just in the first place or just barely missing is because of the fact that you kind of left your identity and your core identity of what made you successful in 2012 to get you on the Super Bowl run. You got more built towards your quarterback, less assets to be dispersed around the team. Your drafting style leaned more to need rather than going for value. And, and that you also put money, bad money out there in free agency and signings in places that you put it. And I think that now what you have here is a team that's turned things over. It's in year two of a rebuild now. I don't think that I would have told the team coming into the season, damn the torpedoes, go for it this year. Go for broke with the third youngest roster in the entire NFL. Now is your time. I don't know if I would have advocated for them to do that this year. I think taking a little bit more of let's let this thing continue to build approach is probably a smart application here, especially with the Niners right now in the middle of their window as they are. And that, you know, there may be a little bit of a, not a huge gap, but still a gap that remains there that you're you're trying to broach before you can get to that spot of being contender. I'm all for, once you get into the state of being ready to go, um, to, to, um, to, to sacrifice given future space and given future draft capital for the now. But you, I always say to that too, Jeffrey, with it, that you got to know yourself. You got to know when the time is right to strike. And I just don't feel like right now coming into the season was necessarily the indicative point of like, here we go right now. I think too, the team showed you with, with Allen, the worry you'd have with this is okay. They're not going to spend all the money. I mean, that's the specific spot with the Mariners. When we break it down to it, they can develop players. They've shown that now they got the farm system going. They've shown that um, they've got a team back-to-back winning seasons, but are they going to spend the money? And the Mariners come out and they spend $130 million. And at last I checked, the Seattle Seahawks has been a team the last 10 years that has been perfectly happy in every season, but one that I can think of to spend up every last bit of cap space that they have to spend. And that they they do try to maximize their books in addition to that. Like for instance, when you know you convert base to bonus with an Adams or a Diggs or a Lockett, you know, that's indicative of you being willing to try to fit more guys in, try to be more in the go go forward approach in that manner. So I I think that there's some data to illustrate on the surface of it, but it's not enough when you really look at the depths of it to me, Jeffrey, to think that that's, that's where the team is at. But I, I can get where people are coming from who, who kind of feel that way a bit. You know, I, I do think that there's at times, Jeffrey, a worry I have about this two and three year plan preventing them, you know, from, from getting in that mode. But uh, no, I don't, think they, I don't think they're quite there and certainly not there as into the extreme degree that we're hearing DePoto and company, which is, whew. They're 54%. Brian Myers, double dip the dono trip. Went $4.99 and then a buck ninety-nine on top of that. And I appreciate you, Brian, for that double dono. He says, Hawks coaches never adjusted to Cincy's max pressure. No, they didn't, Brian. Yeah, you're right. Uh, That's great, great point on your part. Um, There was a point there at the end of the game there where Cincinnati wasn't just bringing five-man fronts. 
it was six, seven. I think there was even a couple, couple cover zero points in there. And um, they were able to get a free rushers. And not only did the coaches not have an adjustment for it, I did see Mike too. It was just Gino did not think it was coming. I think he thought those guys were dropping off because they'd come right up to the line of scrimmage, show their intentions to blitz. But yeah, Gino and it seemed like Gino would see him. But then once they come off post-snap, it was almost like he was expecting the pass protections to roll that way to him or something. And they, well, you didn't have enough blockers. There would be one point they'd bring up all those pressures and you'd still have just your five-man with the running back and you're counting the numbers and you're like, yeah, we're not going to be able to get all those guys, Gino. So yeah, I, I agree with you there. Marcus B28, thank you for the $10 donation. That is very kind of you. And my, Brian, thank you again to that don't know. But Marcus, appreciate you. He says, I'm looking at Detroit's offensive line with the same envy. Like if I had to look at a beautiful coworker every day and my girlfriend just put on 30 pounds. <laughs> yeah, hey, they're a, they're a great front. Ragnow, Conklin, and uh, Penny Sewell is rounding into becoming a star, star, star at the position. Not to mention they even got the guards inside. They can get it done. Um, yeah. Helping, helping Jared Goff. We talk about a quarterback being made to look good when your offensive line's up in front of you doing the work and you got your guys with health up there and you know, you're able to sit back there and scan, survey the horizon line and never feel under duress and know that there's going to be holes in the ground game when you want to run it. It helps out a quarterback's, quarterback's performance tremendously. And our offensive line this year has been far off in its performance where Detroit's line's been. But we got the potential to match it before the season ends. That's the nice part. Marcus, once full strength comes back or near full strength, even just Abraham Lucas, I think, just helps you out tremendously on each edge at that point because now you can just trust that nobody's going to be able to kill you with the edges that, you know, you just got to figure out the interior. And that's a little, I think, easier to navigate. But uh, yeah. Yeah, looking at Detroit's line like a beautiful go-worker. Just after my girlfriend came through pounds. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. I appreciate your $10 donation and uh, wonderfully said as well. Wonderfully put. Certainly, I think uh, you look at next year's, next year's draft, looking for, an, looking for a guard in there, looking maybe for, uh, you know, a couple guards potentially might not be the worst way to go. That's for sure. Good line can help you out in so many ways. But thank you, Marcus. I appreciate that donation. Nicholas, thank you for the $5 donation. Says B, we should be upset. We threw away a win. End of story. Positive note, defense played great. Rough, rough loss. I appreciate that, Nicholas. And I understand. Like they're, 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 I, if I was in that state, I would definitely be in that state. You know what I mean? Um, I can't quite get there myself because it is a rough loss. But that's a good team you're playing across. And uh, they're, they're, they're paid to get the work done out there too. And uh, it's, it is tough. But, you know, you gave it a good fight. You know, I think both sides gave it a good fight. And it's the thing I come back to again and again. And, and somebody in the chat, you don't have to super donate. I'll try to read it. But, I mean, if somebody's, somebody's happy to do a little bit of research on this, I, I would love to know in recent history in the NFL, quarterbacks that have gone out with three-fifths of their offensive line played a team across from them that might be the best of that conference that year, at least one of the top three teams of that conference, going into their house and expecting that offense to be super, super illustrious, super productive. I, I think it's, so maybe, maybe that's why it's a little bit for me, I guess, Nicholas, where I stand with it. It's just, 
it's more of my expectations coming in with that being what you dealt with. And I know that recent history here is the last three wins, your offensive coordinator has been able to scheme stuff up and you know, prevent things from looking bad and even being able to put up a lot of points. But those were against different defenses, number one. And number two, it's teams are going to kind of find some solutions to that eventually when you are dealing down that that loosely on the offensive line. And just my opinion on it. Could be wrong on it, just mine on it. But I get where you're coming from. And um, there's a lot of folks in that where you're at with it, you know. Jesus Taco, thank you for being a member of the Hawks Nest for 11 long months. I do appreciate you for that. Says, honestly, I'd rather our current team lose to the Bengals than be like the Niners and lose to the Browns. That's one of the unforgivable unforgivable curses. Go Hawks. <laughs> well, it's a tough game for them. I think they're out on, on the road in Cleveland, 10 a.m. These 10 a.m. games are tough for these West Coast teams. I mean, they they just historically have been that way. It's It just does tend to play out that way. I know we've got a recent run of dominance in those games, but... Niners, as they showed last year, even in the Chicago Bear game that they played on the road in the opening game of the year, you know, and lost in that game. It's something weird, weird game, weird things can happen at 10 a.m. And the Browns playing a backup quarterback, and you certainly would think, okay, the Niners are going to take them to task. The thing I think we've got to give, uh, not we've got to give, but the thing that I, I think a bit, a little bit about in this game, Cheese, with the, the Browns and the Niners, that you do have the Browns who, who do have a, a late acclaim to being right there almost step for step with the Niners as one of the best defenses in the NFL and uh, able to potentially keep that Niner offense held in check uh, as their defense just kind of does just barely enough. But uh, hey, we're only a game out of first place. I'm just saying, just saying. William Leonard, thank you for the $5 donation. I do appreciate you for that, brother. It's good to see you. 13 personnel, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. JSN will have other opportunities. Most frustrating is some days the O and D look barely look great, but rarely together. Yeah, you, you, it, it seems like uh, going back to even 2020, you start out that year, first out of the season, the offense is on a historic run, uh, on a record-breaking like run. Then, but the defense looks completely on it, falls flat in its face, can't stop anything. Then you get somewhere like God switching the light switch halfway into the year. The offense completely falls on its face then after looking historic and the defense suddenly is able to lock everything down. And it's been a little bit of, from that moment forward, there's been this ebb and flow of where one's doing really well, the other one seems to not be able to do hold up its end of the bargain. And there's just this push-pull thing going on that I, I don't have a lot of an explanation for, but man, once we get them both cooking at the same time, well, you might have guessed, you know. Um I think the team's got to really reevaluate its GSN, GSN approach at this point. And there's a couple reasons for this. Um, and it's nothing to do with GSN not being a good player. You still are going to have your times. You're going to need your three wide receiver look, set looks in the game. But coming to this game, you were the most efficient team in the league in 12 personnel. And as you say, 13 personnel has been right there with it. I'm sure they're pretty close on 13 personnel. And they're not number one, but they're probably one of the top three teams in the league in 13 personnel as well. Your tight ends have done a lot for you out of that look and helped you a lot. And I can't help but think that they do especially help you out a lot when it comes to the running game. You know, when you end up with JSN and Tyler Lockett on the field versus having uh, Bobo DK on the field, uh, you know, and then two tight ends in there instead on the inside, you know, I, I feel like your ability to run block is going to be a bit more improved too. On top of the fact you're able to pass pretty well out of those looks as well. Um so I, I think there was a little bit on this game. It felt this way. So I got some of the, the things I'm saying I, I feel with, I got to look at the all 22 to be certain of. 
um, in what what I'm seeing and what I think I see. But I think that they had a lot more of trying to feature in JSN and look into him in this game. And I think some of that did come at the cost of the tight end looks and the two, the, thir- the 12 and the 13 personnel. And, and going back to that, I think it would be smart for the offense um, because it's just not, they're not quite finding the flow here with JSN. And my only other reason too would be that we just that you've got still stuff working with Bobo. You get Bobo and DK on the field at the same time as blockers on the outside. That's difference makers out there. We've got to start on some of the stuff. We've run the ball pretty well this year, but the, some of it's been the running backs getting it done on their own at times. You haven't created a lot of holes and um, having more blockers for that on top of whatever may happen with the passing attack on this might be might be smart, William, on that. I, I, I tend to agree with you coming off the back of this is too. Like JSN will have his time. He'll have his time. It's, it doesn't, we didn't need him to be fantastical out the jump here. It'd be great if that could have happened, but that, that wasn't what was necessary. And right now what's necessary is to find the formations that make our offense more efficient and most effective. Uh, Cameron, thank you for the $5 donation. He says, the loss sucks because we could have won so many times, but our defense is looking real good. Coach Hurt should be proud. Indeed. Indeed. I, um, I'm really, really impressed by this defense. It's one of the reasons I am encouraged coming out of this is that we're not waiting until the end of the season to look and get to bed into a better state. They're rounding into better shape now. And we know why. It isn't it isn't by us going, well, they just lucked into the last two games. Like last year, you had a four-game stretch. People would ask me, why was the defense dominant for that four-game stretch last year? But then the whole rest of the year, the defense couldn't do anything. And I looked at it, and, well, look at the teams you played that four-game stretch. The Cardinals twice, the Giants with Daniel Jones, who we now really know that it restricts that offense quite a bit, and the Chargers that were down like two or three of their wide receivers in that game. And uh, you just... There was no, they, you were also kind of playing at your best. That's maybe a legitimate one with the Charger offense being pretty good, but you, you handle business in that one. But the other three games were kind of outliers and that you didn't play opponents that were that weak offensively as those three that you did play. These two though, I think it's a, yeah, that you did play Daniel in this, but you dominated him, dominated him more than you dominated him the year prior when they, now they had Saquon Barkley at home the year prior, but you did dominate more than you did the year prior at home. And then this game on the road. Uh, the, and the defense doing it, not just doing it by Burrow, you know, a shell of himself because the cap's bothering him or something like that. They did it because you squeeze down on those routes. You're showing more of a pressure-based look. One of my favorite moments in this game is Clint Hurt having the Bengal offensive coordinator thinking he's blitzing on a third and 13 to the point that the coordinator draws in a max protect with, with two of the guys in there with a tight end and a back and Seahawks are only bringing a front four. And it ends up being like an incomplete over the side, like a three-yard catch over the sideline. And that's hurt having dialed up the pressures early on in this game to make them think that it might be coming there or was likely to come there. And so uh, you know, winning a little bit of the chess match in addition to putting his players in the right position, which is not something that we've often said about Seahawks defensive coordinators as of recent. Jamal looks good and back in the flow of things. Um, and uh, Witherspoon continues to be outstanding. Three passes, defensed. Uh, Woolen started out a little rough in this game, but came back around. And then Trey Brown, how about that? Second pick of his career, second pick of his, the year for him here. And uh, he's looking steady on the outside too. Yeah. Clintard should be very proud of this defense and how they played today. What, five straight stops to finish the game? Didn't give an inch, didn't give in an inch. Fantastic job on their part. Don, Don, Power Ranger, Hawks Nest, hello again. Brandon All, I hope everyone is well, despite the passing of Suzanne Summers, whom I loved in Three's Company and Step by Step. Indeed, rest in peace to Suzanne. That was, uh, that's tough news. 
Um, Dorian says Curran is awful. He certainly was not. He was at his worst today. Yeah. Keldon says, uh, let's just pretend this week didn't happen. Signed a Niners fan. Uh, I'm going to co-sign that one as a Seahawks fan. I moved that to, I moved that to a vote. Power at red zone offense. Can't do a damn thing. Yeah. Accurate. Greg, how'd uh, Tariq Wollen do today? He gave up a couple of completions, including he might have, a, he might be credited for giving up both touchdown throws. Might be on him. One is for sure, uh, but he might have two. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a, not a great day for Wollen. I don't think he's full on at a bad day. I think he started to get better as the day went along, but uh, it was a bit up and down, let's just say. Bit up and down, bit of mixed bag. Nicholas Newton says Drew Locke would have thrown three more INTs than Gino did. Well said, Nicholas, and I agree. I don't think that Drew Locke is more efficient behind this offensive line than Gino. I like Drew, and I think Drew's got some upside, but I do think Drew's another guy you're going to need to keep clean as a quarterback to get the best out of him. And I don't think any quarterback under center for the Hawks today was going to be kept clean. Yours Brady says Drew Locke ain't better than Gino, but today Gino was so bad. If Gino played average today, we win this game easy. I know you don't agree, but for me, it does make you wonder if he is the guy. I get where you come from, George. And uh, as a couple people you can see or even in the chat here now um, are definitely agreeing with you, you know, and um, maybe you guys might be right on it. Um, I guess all I'll say on this is I'm, I'm never to a final place of conclusion, when, but I want, let, give me a full season to make that determination. You know, give me a full, give me a, uh, at least have Lucas back. You can, I can be down two guards or a guard in a center, another place, but give me at least Lucas and cross back and see what difference that might make with it. Um, but it's very, very hard down three fifths is your offensive line against a tough Bengals front. And there's multiple times during this game, Gino's dropping back and there's, I know there's times he's had the ball and sometimes he's holding them, but there's a lot of other times too, where he dropped right back and there was pressure right back there in his face instantaneously. And he had no ground game to go off of. I, I, that's the hard part to come to meet a determination on Gino on this day down three fifths, your offensive line, no ground game under siege from a, a lot of about a third of your dropbacks. Uh, it's it's tough to quite get to the point of going, well, this is an exposed game of Gino. But I get where you're coming from, man. I, I just quite can't quite get there myself. I mean, at the end of the year, if if he plays more along the lines throughout the course of this year, especially once Lucas comes back, I'll, I'm more apt to get there. And there'll be some tough defensive tests coming up here soon to tell us that story. Um, but I just need a little, I guess, as I, will, as I like to say, I need a little more data. Stuart, how you doing, man? Addis, I agree. Gina was still very good. One, I saw the O-line start failing also. They held up against, uh, they held up, but definitely a tough game. Yeah. They, they did, they fought off. They fought, fought their butts off, but. And I agree. I think Gino made a lot of the mistakes off pressure. It's too much pressure. But that's where I go to that 50% blame game thing going more to the not to say Gino doesn't have a good 25% chunk, but I, I would go more to the offensive line. And Power Coach says, but if Gino was bad, even if he was just A, we would have easily won this game. He needs to be consistent week to week. It's not on him, obviously, but he is equally a part of this. That's where I go to the 25%. It's hard to go. I mean, a, a, a guy throws for 333 yards with no ground game and three-fifths of his offensive line out. It, it's hard for me to go, that's bad. And, you, and I think this, the person might respond to me say, well, yeah, look, he also had two interceptions. Go, well, one of those interceptions, DK Metcalf came to a complete stop on on his route. 
Is, is Gino supposed to anticipate, especially with the pressure bearing down on his face there, that Gino, the DK is just going to stop running his route? And, you know, the other interception was completely bad. I'm staring down. I don't want to overstate state that. I'm not going to state that there wasn't times he took sacks today where he needs to get the ball out of his hands. Gino, Gino didn't play a good game. But, I mean, I, I can't go to like he just completely was, you know, I can't, I can't give him the majority of the blame dealing with that myself. But, like I say, this is one of those places we're going to get to on this channel at times where I know there'll be a contingent of people that think opposite me, completely understand where you're coming from, don't, don't want to seem like I'm disrespecting that stance or on that I don't understand why you'd arrive there because it does make sense. I just can't get there because of those reasons myself. Marsh says, Brandon, there was open players Gino missed. I think there were some occasions in this game where there were some open players Gino missed. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Gino didn't have some spots in this game where he could have been better. But the, where we get to the point of it being solely or that there's this huge majority and that like Gino was just right and left, like every pass pro he's dropping back and he's missing guys, I can't get to that place of it. It happened a collection of times in this game. There's a real wide moment, a very spotlight moment where DK is running deep down the side and the telecast gets a real close view of DK running or the crossing route with DK coming over as they showed an all 22 shot of that and him looking wide open and Gino missing him. And I, I understand that. Like uh, the crossing route might not be as clear when we go back and look at that again because I think when we come back and look at that, we'll come to find that Gino's under pressure where he can't step into his throw there to throw it to DK to that crosser that the pressure is causing him to get forced out of the pocket. And that's sometimes the tough part about the telecast showing you this open guy in this open spot is you don't always know the timing of how the pass rush is bearing in or if it's bearing in or if he's just back there with a nice, super clean, easy pocket and there's nothing going on. Um, but it, I, don't think, I don't think Gino played good today. I don't, I'm not putting him in the thing of like, he wasn't part of the problem today. He was part of the problem. But I think there's other problems going on too. And if we just go solely to Gino and say, well, the line was not, the line was fine. Line did its job today. Like you did it, you know, you couldn't run the ball. By the second half, you had to basically bail on running at all because it was too many negative run plays and there were no holes to be had. Um, you know, Waldron's play calling. Where are the fly sweeps? Where are the pitch plays to the edges? Where's the working in a Charbonnet? And to do, get two carries on the game, the second round pick. You know, if Walker wasn't able to get done, maybe you need to get a little more of the hammer in there. Um, the, the play calling down by the red zone. There's a lot of things in here to me that we can kind of look at. But Gino's included. Snell says the corner also had inside leverage on the DK interception. If Gino throws that outside, Deco has a chance. If he throws it inside, there was no way DK is going to get to that. It looks like it's a post route to me, Snail. So I, I don't think it's an option route for DK to sit down. It seemed to me like DK just decided he wasn't going to get open, and so he stopped running the route or almost came to a stop in running the route. But I don't know for sure, admittedly speaking. Power coaches, I also don't understand why we're so obsessed with running it up the gut. Run K9 to the outside, play action, do something, something innovative. What is this crap? Yeah, not, not a lot of innovations from Waldron. 
and maybe hamstrung by having to max max protect too often. But you know, we've like for instance, where's the fly sweep game? I mean, that not really a part of this offense. You, you ran like one bubble screen in this game, um, though you continue to not run that well when you do run it. So I don't know if it's a, maybe for the best you don't. But yeah, there wasn't a lot of inventiveness. I would have liked to with this Bengal team as aggressive as they are to try to maybe run some trick plays and stuff too on the road, especially when you're trying to manufacture stuff in the second half and it ain't working. Um, New Black says, I'm encouraged about a defense, uh, about the defense a ton, but I'm the opposite with the offense. The offense is a huge problem. The offense was supposed to carry the team with an average D. That indeed was the vision. And uh, that very well may, may playing out to be the case when it's all said and done. I, I think the lack of offensive, the depth and injuries along the offensive line has definitely hampered uh, the progress and production of the, of the team, offensively speaking. Hoxo says, what about DJ Jones? I don't think he would cost more than a fourth. I did, indeed, I don't think the cost would be very particularly high, Hoxo. Um, he's not been a good player for the Denver Broncos since going over there, playing in pretty much the same defense he was operating that we'd be asking him to operate in. So moving from the 4-3 to that 3-4 um, has maybe not been the best of transitions for him. So I, I don't think he's been a very consistent player for them. He's had some flashy moments but I don't know that he provides you a whole lot for that fourth round value. I don't know that he's significantly any better as a player or any better as a player at this point than even a Miles Adams. And he and he is going to be, you know, costing more. Well, Pup says they're determined to make Geno a pocket passer. Definitely not a lot of rollouts or movements in space. Maybe some of it too, a little bit today. Bull Pup was the, of course, we know the knee and the ankle were bothering him a bit from that roll-up tackle a couple weeks ago. So maybe more of a commitment knowing his legs, wheels weren't as good to try to uh, protect that. Brian says, uh, because DK ran the wrong route. Oh, you're speaking to Doom. I think Doom Traveler, the, the thing with the route not being open there, if I may on this with the DK point where he comes to a stop, is you know whether the route's open or not, if you're in the pocket as a quarterback and you have pressure in your face and you're trying to do a throwaway ball, I'm going to have times in the game I'm going to throw it to DK and I'm going to, and maybe he doesn't have separation and maybe there's not a, he's not completely open there, but I'm giving him a chance to go up there and, and use his big body to go in there and make a catch. And I've seen him do that before. The thing with it too, is it's not really to me an option route. It's a post route there. And if it's not an option route where he gets to just sit down by choice, it's an anticipatory throw by, by Gino. Um, and so it's, if he has the clean pocket and he can look a little bit of an extra beat longer to make that throw, and maybe he doesn't at that point and goes to a different toss, but with the pressure in there, he's got to make a, a choice right there. And because he's not cleared the tackle box, he can't throw that ball away. He's got to go throw it to somebody and have it to be, you know, where somebody's in range of the ball within the 10 yards. So I, I DK has got to keep running that route there. He, he can't, whether it's open or not, DK's, DK's at fault. He can't come to a stop. If he doesn't come to a stop, at the very least, it's probably an incompletion rather than an interception. And I think that we're going to probably hear DK eventually own that. This is one of those points I predict on things. My, my bold prediction is at point, some point you're going to hear DK own this situation and owning that having happened. Mark my words on that. Yeah. 
Mark, uh, DK is absolutely a liability, not, be, not acceptable to cost the team penalties because you can't control yourself. Bench and start Bobo. I, yeah, I can't, can't get there on that mark myself. I, I, it's not great with the, with the penalty situation. I, I maintain, I think it was a clean block myself. He's just blocking these guys hard and the officials are feeling bad for the small cornerbacks because they get knocked down. But, you know, offensive linemen knock guys down all day long. You know, there's no flags that come out for that. I don't, but he's being targeted. So he's just got to basically stop blocking, I guess, or, or just patty cake him. King Dome Joe, DK is playing with intensity and fire. Sometimes he doesn't make the best decisions, but you can't fault the man for being passionate. No, you can't. Holy Ant Grenade, did the, the Browns-Niners game show anything on how to stop the Niners beat? I'd have to go back and take a look at it to see what the uh, Browns did in that game, Holy Ant Grenade. Honestly, I haven't watched even the highlights. I did the, we did the play-by-play. I did the uh, Bleacher Report, got something to eat, and then we went back to live here. So, uh I, uh, I haven't had a chance to see any of the highlights or what, what went down in that game. I'm guessing the Browns did a lot of running, and I'm guessing they squeezed down the routes on uh, the Browns, and they had the front four to, to put Purdy under pressure. Yeah, I think it's hard to punish DK on that block if you're Carroll's perspective. The whistle's not been blown. DK comes over. It's not like the Witherspoon block. DK comes over and taps up on the corner's shoulder to say, hey, I'm here to block you. Start to engage me. The corner doesn't take him, doesn't take him seriously and just kind of like gives a little bit of a laissez-faire and then DK blocks him to the ground. I, I'm going to go back and watch the tape and post this to my channel, I think, just to, so I can get the, like, you'll see the play is active when DK is laying that block. So what's happening there is the officials are targeting him. It's not as much to me DK losing his head as now he's got to recognize that there's this, if you do anything slash you know, softly tapping them, they're going to basically call official a flag on you because you're too physically dominant of their tender little skinny little arms and lack of fire that they're playing with. I don't, I don't get it. I think the Hawks, Brandon, that baseball stat is amazing. Very cool. Thank you, Dick the Hawks. Thought about doing a video on the channel on it. I wasn't sure if it would be a resonant one that resonated or not, but I thought, yeah, it was kind of cool. Greg Kemp says DK ran a curl on that instead of him giving up on the route. I I don't think either of us know for sure, Greg. It looked to me and they showed a pretty close shot like he was running a post. And I I don't, I think if he's running a curl there that Gino's going to throw that to his outside shoulder on the right away from the defender's leverage. But admittedly, Greg, I don't know for sure. It's a guess. I draw Seahawks clearly shooting for that 54% rate. Dude Traveler, I'm not trying to kill Gino, guys. It's fine. He made a mistake. He held the ball too long and made a couple of bad decisions. I have 100% chance, 100% confidence in him going forward. Well said, doomed. Well said. And there's nothing wrong with being critiquing Gino. There's some points to critique in this game from him, for sure. Not broad brushing either way on that one. I knew Black Seahawks have definitely been the best team in the NFC in total over that time, for sure. Oh, show. Brian, Brandon, the Bengals knew early on O-line couldn't hold up to max pressure. Hawks coaches didn't realize it and adjust blocking or play calling. That's why we lost. I think that's as good. In, that's as good. That's a much better reason to apply to me than just solely to Gino. But that's where we get to where I think it's a, there's a couple, there's a couple people that got to get their blame on this one. There's some lashes, you know, there's it's, a few folks got to, got to get their, their shade a bit on this, including the play calling. 
But you're right. They didn't do anything to adjust to those heavy blitz fronts and too many free, free rushers. Gino wasn't aware of it coming. Didn't have a hot route in place to get to. Uh, wasn't, wasn't anything that they could kind of figure out to get around that, which I would have thought they would have anticipated that a little bit more because both Gino and Waldron talked about how multiple the Bengals fronts were coming into this game. The multiple meaning I'm worse. Like even I think Gino mentioned, like they go to cover zero sometimes. Just didn't see it clearly though. Uh, Snail, thank you for the $2 donation. Uh, says, Gino threw into the leverage of the defensive back that was on him. He did. It's a trust throw in that, in that situation, Snail. I think as much as anything, it's Gino thinking this is going to be worst case scenario and incompletion. I've got DK in there with his big body, his long arms, his huge catch radius. Um, if it's between him and a defensive back in there, it's going to, it'll be knocked down at the worst case. Um, and I've seen him make those kind of throws into that kind of place. I've seen, you know, Russ do it back at times. With, that's what, that's the benefit of having a guy gargantuan at 6'4 in that catch radius is you're going to throw trust balls into them where you're not always expecting them to have the separation. But um, I, I do, I, this, this is the hard part. It's not Gino throwing from a clean pocket there. He's got a guy bearing down his face, got to make a decision, take the sack. We're all nailing him right now and, and taking him to task over all the sacks he took where he didn't throw it away. Here's a moment where he's trying to throw it away and he's expecting his receiver to be in a spot and his receiver's not there. It's it's not going to help his level of play if his receivers don't run out their routes, whether the leverage was there or not. The receivers got to run his route out there. That's that's We don't know if the interception happens if the receiver just does the thing that is his job to do on that particular play. Maybe, but we can't say that we know that because he didn't do that. You know? Uh, Samuel Carlson, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, Seattle fans are too quick to turn on players. Shaking my head. I uh, may be the case with it. I, I definitely find myself oftentimes trying to, I feel like kind of support and back up the players that, you know, where there's, there is a little bit of that extreme, like, like I said, it's, it's the, it's the uh, Austin Powers, Dr. Evil, and he's got his little board there and he's pushing buttons with all the players sitting around the table and just waiting to, you gonna, huh? Huh? I'm push, I'm push that button. Don't you overstep again or it's gone. And, and, um, it sometimes is out there. There's the, the hook out there, the quick, the, with the quickness, you know, I, I get the disappointment, the loss folks on it. And if you want to be at the final totality of you come at the end of this of, well, this is it. I'm done with DK after that. Cause I did it. Or this is it with Gino. He's shown me enough that he's not the guy I get. If you're there, I, I, I would hope though, if you see the others aren't quite there, you can understand we're not, we're not quite getting there on that to that same place. Might've right eventually there, but yeah, I, it's going to take a bit more than that. We still are a three and two team. We're still a team with so many encouraging signs and, and positivity to where we're going to look at for this upcoming season. And don't forget that one little, just that little tiny point, this little tiny thing that's also a part of this whole thing. You have the third youngest roster in the entire NFL. The third youngest roster. You're three and two. With minimum in every single game you've gone into absent the first half of the first game, minimum you've gone into with three-fifths, four-fifths, five-fifths of your offensive line out. Yeah, there's, there's, I understand being begrudged on the loss. I'm not going to try to, tear it, to go too hard at this, but there's, there's more to be pulled positive-wise off this than negative. And let's not forget what team you just played. This isn't losing to the Raiders in Vegas or even the Raiders at home, or even the Carolina Panthers last year at home, or even the Falcons at home last year. This ain't that. This ain't the Rams in the opening week getting embarrassed. This ain't that. 
I think there's different perspectives on losses from my perspective on it. And, and this one's in a different, I got to put it in a little bit of a different category. Tough game. I get though, there are, there'll be people out there, Samuel, bit that I think are going to get in this mode off this one a bit. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm going to try to lead back to the light, lead back to the hopefulness. Thank you though, man. Appreciate that donation. Corey Coombe, thank you for the $2 donation. Says our red zone offense lost us this game. Another deal that you could point to that and say, this is what got has the, the most to blame, or this is the biggest reason uh, to be laid bare as to why we had the failures in this game, Corey, including that final drive, that final four downs from the 11-yard line, four downs from the 11-yard line, get an average of two and a half yards per play from the plenty of time on the clock. And uh, yeah, red zone offense just could not get it done today, Corey. Well said. And that may be at the head of this beyond anything else. And then that comes down to, Inability to run run the ball down there. I mean, if you ran it for three and a half yards per carry in this game on the day, I think when you got inside the red zone, you probably averaged about a yard and a half on average on the ground. Uh, you know, and then throwing the ball too much, and then you have some of the decision making, genome. It all does kind of go together a little bit for the uh, the failure of it. But yeah, agreed. Adrian X, thank you for the two dollar donation. Is at the moment is Bobo more important? Over JSN. Maybe. Maybe kind of. Because of what he brings as a run blocker. Because of how you are so good in two and three tight end sets this year. You know, that those, you put all of that together and it sort of ends up making Bobo a bit more important than JSN at the moment. But it doesn't mean that JSN doesn't going to have his time either. And this is a great problem to have two rookie wide receivers and there's not enough touches be- between them and how good they are. That was the thing, J- JSN had some good, some good moments in this game too. He showed off some yak in this game on a bubble screen where it looked like it should have been dead to rights off the jump. He had, I think, his longest catch of his pro career so far, I think, too, as well. So, Jason's going to have his time. But Bobo is Bobo has forced his way into this lineup, into this rotation, through his run blocking, through getting the most out of whatever catches he's able to go get. Um, you gotta you gotta acknowledge that part too, and that there's no way you can not have him out there for some snaps as well. And when it comes down to it, that run blocking ability is going to probably come at the cost of times of some JSN snaps. And um, that's, that's unfortunate, but it's less to do with JSN not being good enough, just how much more to do with how good Bobo has been. He's been perhaps the best run blocking wide receiver in the entire sport, not merely just the best on your team. And so that's not a, it's no slight to JSN if it becomes that way, or it is that way at this point this year. And uh, I come back to it's a good problem to have. Good problem to have. Actually, it says the question should not be, will Gino bounce back? But Gino, the quarterback that can carry this team to a Super Bowl, I don't think so. Unless we get a Legion of Boom-like defense, this team is one and done for the next decade. I think that's presumptuous. And uh, I think that what you're trying to do here is fit to the blueprint of 2012. And that blueprint was built on the back of Akshay trying to first build a strong team, team, 
not having the quarterback. I think the modern thought process on the fan, and it's I see it permeated. I'm not saying you think this way, actually, but I do feel it permeated from a, a lot of different average NFL fans out there in their thinking, which is they, they look at the quarterback as this special special deal that floats on high. And wherever that quarterback on high takes you is how far you are going to go get. And that is indeed a model by which some teams try to put their teams together to find success and get themselves to the promised land. It is a pathway, but it is not the only pathway. And as 2012 showed us, you can have other ways to get to a Super Bowl and find Super Bowl success, win a Super Bowl championship. Russell Wilson was not a top five quarterback when you went to the Super Bowl. He was dangerous. He gave you an element to your offense that made you tough to deal with. And yes, indeed, you had the Legion of Boom doing what it was doing. But you know what you had as well, Akshay? You had the most expensive offensive line in the sport. And you had beast mode. And you had wide receivers. And Miller, one of the best tight ends we've had in our history, even though he's here for a very short time. And even though, yeah, you had the Legion of Boom defense, you also had that front seven that was pretty good too. It wasn't just the secondary driven. It was a team that took you there. And this team went through this rebuild two years ago, in my opinion, and looked at the situation and said, what we're going to try to do is go back to our origins and our designs when we first arrived here. And rather than leading and trying to have this be a quarterback centric or that pathway you talk about, Akshay, that a lot of teams tend to take, we're going to take this path. And whether this path works or not, we'll see. But it's not a path that's being built upon your quarterback having to, quote unquote, carry the day. You didn't ask Russell Wilson to carry the day. You're not going to ask Geno to carry the day by the structure of this offense going into the future. And so I don't think today or anything recently has proven that Geno Smith cannot get that done. And we're talking about a team of three and two down. It's, it's a point that I've raised that I don't see any of the naysayers go back and point to yet. I've seen nobody yet in the comments who's posted it or posted a chat with this. Go show me a quarterback down three-fifths of their offensive line going on the road into one of the top or three, two teams of their conference who's just going to go out there and light the world on fire. There's a, maybe two quarterbacks in this sport that do that. Maybe. And if we're holding Geno to that standard, I think that that's not really super fair, but I'm not seeing a lot in the, the Geno criticism, and I'm even acknowledging there's some Geno criticism that's fair to be had here, Akshay, but I'm not seeing a lot of that of the acknowledgement of, oh yeah, he's thrown for 300 yards over three times this season already. He's done so while only having a half of his offensive starting offensive line in place, and then it's not only been one guy down or two guys down, but it's more, been more than three-fifths of his offensive linemen down in every one of those games afterwards, and we're three and two. And that's where I, to me, my perspective is there's perspective here. And we got to put that in. Does it wholly just excuse anything in Geno's play? No, but that's, let's get away from the broad brush of it. And I think that the tactical way this team's built in this team is not that way of we need the quarterback. We need the, we need the Burrow or the Mahomes. It's nice to have that. But as 2012 showed you, as the fact that when Russell Wilson was at his best, you weren't able to get to Super Bowls. When he was in his prime, when he was a top three quarterback, you didn't sniff a Super Bowl. Yet here you had a guy carrying the day. I hear you had a guy, some people mentioned in my chat, well, at least when the, the chips were down, you could require, you could rely on Russell to do what he needed to do. You had your Superman quarterback at that time, and it wasn't enough. So that pathway doesn't work in itself either. But I think this way, going back to, their, to the origins, will eventually be successful. And I don't think that we're going to require Geno 
to have to deal with the onslaught a little bit of what he's had to deal with the past couple of weeks because you have the offensive line failures in place. And I don't know any quarterbacks that would be succeeding in this realm dealing with what he's dealing with. Maybe I'm wrong on that. New Blacks, I always felt next year was the beginning of the window after getting that haul for Russ in two drafts, then the third draft to complete it. I think that's a fair way to look at this. Fair way to look at this. If this team went to the, think about this, I, I often reference this and I, I try to reference this a lot because I think it's the, pers- put this perspective thing into place because we, we, we want the team to be great. Be great now. Now. I get it. I get it. But you set a Super Bowl record in 2013 with a roster of an average age of 26 and a half years old. That was the youngest in NFL history. Nobody did it younger than T. Carroll and the boys back in 13. This roster right now is younger than that team, and kind of significantly so. It's, it, it's a part, just a, it's a piece of the puzzle to consider. It's not to excuse everything, or, but to, it's the, we got to get all the pieces together, and we're trying to, on some of the Geno criticism, we're pulling one piece of the puzzle out, and we're losing sight of all these other puzzle pieces that are part of what makes the whole show go, what makes the whole picture come into form. You know, could be wrong on this. Joe, man, I think you got to blame Gino. I'm saying Gino deserves blame. I think I've said that probably 50 times on an hour and a half stream that we've been on. Um, I, it's the, the sole blame thing going on to his shoulders, the thing I don't get. That's the, part that I, that's the part I think we're trying to get to on this discussion point is how do we arrive at just saying it's solely on him with kind of the reasons and things I've, I've brought up a bit. Mark, Abe Lucas is more important than we thought. His run and pass protection is second to none since he's been in the league. Agreed. It's been outstanding. It's a big loss. And again, I, I know that the, there's going to be a poll in the discussion on this to get to contentious states of it. And uh, I get that. I, I just ask again that if we can, as we go through this in the chat, and I know there'll be people not loving my reaction on it, try it as we can. I know it's hard to do because it's the internet and all this go, we're all emotional and things get heated um, just as we can to be respectful. If you got an opponent in this discussion that you think their point is out of line on it, we don't mispaint their, what their take is and what their real stand and outlook is on this game in order for the discussion to go forward and not simply trying to just dunk on one another. You know? Give me snacks. You can blame the whole offense for the loss today. The defense played excellent. Indeed. Big Doc, Brandon, yes, I've been making a point about our O-line during the chat. Question, does this affect our 2024 draft goals? I don't know if it does a lot. I think you're you're going to be kind of having it at the head of your targeting, depending on what you do in free agency, guard, defensive tackle, middle linebacker, probably all three of those positions you're going to be taking a look at into the draft. 
Yeah. So Joe, man, I, I get where you're coming from in that it's, it's bothering you that you feel like people are being apologists of Gino. But this is where, when I'm watching the discussion in the chat, this is the thing where I'm trying to get to play of, of being respectful. So it's like when you say Gino is their God, so be it, just apologists. If you disagree on that side, I get where you're coming from and you're not alone. And there are people that are in the place you're in. But okay, let's get to the points at hand of why we feel the way we do. You know, like it's that the painting of the portrait of the person that you disagree with in a way that just can get to the place to where I can just, eh, eh. It's your fellow Hawk fan. It's the guy, the people that root for the same team you root for. We all want to see the same thing. And, and I get that there's frustration there. But like I've been saying on this, and I haven't seen a lot of people in the chat yet who've said that Gino was without blame, Joe. I, I, I don't see anybody posting that in the chat. I, I could be wrong. And maybe there's one individual person or one individual person there. But pretty much everybody said, look, the, the apologist, as you like to term it, I guess I'm one of those here at this point. I can say 50 times over an hour and a half, Gino's got some blame here to be given. But if I don't say Gino's got all the blame, I'm an apologist. Or as you say, what was it, the words you used here recently, that I'm looking at Gino as uh, my God? I, how, I, I don't know where the discussion goes mother, much further from it at that point, but all right. And I think, Akshay, we're going to look for a rookie in probably like the blueprint was in 2012. You've got Gino in place, and then you're going to probably look to the second or third round in this draft where there's a bountiful amount of uh, second and third round quarterbacks to pick from. Johnny Utah says, no such thing as good losses, but at least the Niners lost two. RD played well, but eight chances to score the game winner within the 11-yard line, and going 0 for 8 is hard to swallow. Indeed it is. Jason, I like the big thing is having... I think the big thing is having so many chances in the red zone and squandering them snatch defeat in the face of win. I think it's made it a little extra frustrating, Jason. Yeah, having those chances and the defense, you know, stepping up as they stepped up so many times in the course of this game, um, as impressively as they did, it definitely makes it harder when the offense doesn't come to come to the table. Uh, Everett says, we have a tall quarterback. It's weird how little they throw crossing routes to get the ball out faster, especially when the offensive line is struggling. Yeah, no hot routes today, Everett, at all, too, And in addition to that. It was like everything was to get to the receivers, and they didn't have a lot of the short stuff set up for, for Gino as kind of a, you know, oh, hell, it's the, I got to get, get rid of this ball, get it to somebody. Uh, a little bit strange on that. I agree. Paul Pup says the O-line can't protect Gino every other play while he waits forever to pull the trigger.
Mike Mike Ke Kali says personally, I feel as if our defense did what they needed to do. You hold Burrow to 17 points. Our offense needs to show what we have. Indeed. Um, Devo Martzal, thank you for the $10 donation. Says, we'll be nice to get Lucas back. But man, our defense was awesome. Proud of our guys. They proved they can play with a great team. Excited about where I think we're headed. How about those Niners? Go Hawks. Hey, go Hawks, Devo. Good to see you in the chat. And thank you for the $10 donation. I think uh, pretty much in summation of what you put, I, I'm i right in alignment with you. Um, I I think some were expecting me to be in more freakout mode off this loss, but I think that that's a, a damn good team you're playing across from you. I think that that's a team that's going to end up winning their division in that conference. And I think when we end up looking at this loss, the Bengals in retrospect down the road, it's not going to quite sting as much understanding how good they are as a team. Um, there's a reason they went to the Super Bowl in the last two years. And um, so I'm, I'm with you, Art. When you get Lucas back, uh, I like the way they fought today. I would have liked to have seen a better offensive performance. I think there's a lot of reasons for the offensive performance today, but um, more encouraged than discouraged at this point myself. Thank you, though, Devo. Appreciate you. Ron Danko, thank you for subscribing to the channel. Appreciate you on that. Welcome aboard the Hawks Nest. Garth, Suzanne Summers, man. Oh. One of those moments of clicking impurity. Who's this? Who's company? I mean, who's the blonde? Morsiox, uh, he had issues in the slot over the years with Bobo playing great. It makes me wonder if our offensive scheme is slot friendly. It's supposed to be one of the most slot friendly offensive schemes in the book, be me. As it comes from the McVay scheme, and that's that's how Cooper Cup's you know done his damages out of that slot, where they're three wide receiver, they'll they'll end up leading the league pretty much every year in three wide receiver looks. This makes it strange to me we haven't been able to quite find our footing with it. And yeah, Matthew, Bobo and JSN don't do the same things. Definitely different, different kind of styles of players and what they, what they do. Eagles lost. No more, no more undefeated teams. Overnight, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Blazes were 1.5 games behind the Niners. We're still in good shape. My wife and I plan to go to the Hawks 49ers game on Turkey Day. Hell yeah, Blaze. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a loud stadium that night. You know that too. But yeah, we're right in this. Everything is still within our, our reach this season, our grasp. Everything. Everything. Well, and Connor extreme parody in the NFL now, and this is what people top people want. It's definitely got the most parody of any sport out there.
Dale Curhan needs to be put on the practice squad. He can't do anything. I think he's just a backup tackle, but if you get him in there for a, you know, a one game, he's going to hang in there. You get him in there for four games, five games, he's going to start getting exposed. It's hard to have a good, strong backup tackle, though. I mean, and, and as we're talking about with parity, this is the reason for parity is it's hard enough to get the frontline guys out there and rolling, much less having the strong backups behind them. Blaze says, Gino lost this game for us today. I trust he'll take responsibility to make the adjustments at home next week. I trust he will as well. Maybe he'll Williams Bill Belichick through another tablet. Dude's a mass tablet murderer. <laughs> nice, Nicholas. Browns and Niners game. You're going to two good ones. Roland says, Browns defense is better than the Bengals. Gino has two weeks to figure it out. Be an interesting, uh, interesting check on this one. And I would reckon to guess this will be Brandon's bull prediction for the channel. If you have both Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross back and ready for that Browns game, watch us put up twice as much points on that Browns defense than we put up on this Bengals defense in this game. My bold prediction. Dizilla, I really thought Wizard, Wizard Spoon was going to get a pick. I did too. It's sort of close. I don't think it was super, super close. Long live again. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Tyson. Roland Connor actually admired teams with good defenses after watching college games. Yeah, they struggle on the college level. That's all those defenses are just holding on for life. Dear life. Uh, if you were Seahawks, we forgot uh, to vote. We should vote now on Witherspoon to get this lost in our minds. I think the chat's in a little bit of a different energy point tonight. Feed me. We're going to have to postpone that, unfortunately. Uh, Michael, uh, Brandon, what I don't understand is why Waldron doesn't recognize Gino is struggling and under pressure so much. Why doesn't he change it to help up Gino? Get some quick passes out to relieve pressure. I really love what, what uh, Waldron's done here as an offensive coordinator the last year plus. And uh, I do think that over these last few games, I think Gino and him have both been kind of trying to operate the offense with a little bit of the arm tied behind their back with, three-fifths, four-fifths, five-fifths of the offensive line out. I will also say, in addition to that, that Waldron's not called particularly really good games these past two games. And he has not done a lot to find stuff that's free and easy there for Geno. He's made it all feel very much like tough sledding, um, and especially rollout, quick, easy rollout passes for Geno or just easy, quick completions. There was a little bit of that in this game, and then it just seemed to dry up. And uh, not having any hot routes ready for him, really, when there was those heavy blitzes and those cover zero situations. Um, strange to see. And and yeah, I think that this is where, when I get to the place, Michael is saying, I can't quite go solely on a Geno. Geno's got a, a good chunk of the blame here, but the offensive line and how they held up, the play calling and how it held up, I think it all left a, a bit to be desired, in my opinion. Joker says, I'll say it again. Uh, or I'll say it again, trade or sign a D lineman as much as we're having success. You never know that extra D lineman can set the edge for us. Agreed. I'm with it too. I'm totally with that joker. Sean, do we trade DK being that we still have JSN and Bobo plus with how much we use the tight ends and running backs in the passing game? Uh, I wouldn't myself, but I, I'm, I'm seemingly more pro DK than others at this moment. So uh, that wouldn't be something on the table for me. JSN's not an outside receiver, Sean. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the speed on the outside to generate separation. 
He's a slot, to me, he's a slot only guy that you can mix a little bit on the outside. And if that's the case, then I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to move DK. Even Bobo, I think is more of a guy that probably operate from the slot than anything else. Though he can play it all, as Greg says. He can play some X and Z, but I think he's best, best at in the slot. Ethan says, not the best game for us today, but remember the Niners and Eagles lost today. It's a good point, Ethan. No undefeated teams. Ryan Hitterspoon. New Black says, to be fair, I guess we're only one loss back from the top three teams. See, exactly, man. It's going to be all good, you guys. I promise you. I promise you. TJ, Brandon, what's with all these uh, second and 10 running plays? Uh, I get trying to catch someone off guard, but I counted as doing it at least four times this game with no success. Yeah, it's, and it's actually not even a catch you off guard kind of situation. The analytics tell you that uh, you shouldn't run the ball on first down, and then you shouldn't run the ball on second and 10. Second and like, if you fail on a throw on first and 10, coming back to the ground game, the defense is going to have more of a general expectation of you trying to run it. And that kind of running play doesn't tend to have a lot of success with that down and distance. And yeah, I saw the same thing. I don't know why they went to that as much in the second down and 10 situations like that. It wasn't successful in the game. The analytics tell you it's not going to be successful. You know they're aware, aware of these analytics as I am. Um, and Waldron seemed to ignore that today for some reason. Black says people were talking about benching Russ after the third or fourth game in 2012. It's true. Wasn't kind of tell the Patriot game that he sort of finally had everybody on board. <laughs> uh, Mark says JSM was supposed to have his breakout today. Had a huge opening for him. Both guys will be veterans someday, but wide receivers are the hardest guys to get incorporated with a clear wide receiver in one and two. Three. Chase, uh, thank you for the $10 donation. I do appreciate you on that, Chase. He says, I see the hate for Gino after his first bad game of the season. It's amazing to see the cult-like loyalty the fan base had for Russ versus the quickness to throw Gino. Staggering. Yeah, I, I think that there's... I've got an instinct on this. I don't want to paint everybody that's out on Gino in this way, but I, I do think that there's a, a thinking still that, that does exist with, with Gino Smith that somehow last year and getting the Comeback Player of the Year award, setting Seahawks records at the position, at times having to carry our offense on his back, that that was all an outlier and that really Gino was just merely what he was when he left the Jets. A, a career backup will be lucky to ever start for anybody anytime soon. And it does feel like there's a little bit of that opinion that permeates out there. And it's like a stain on the rug you can't wash out. And I, I don't quite get it because I think that the opinion gets based upon Geno's first two years in the Jets where he's a rookie and a second-year guy with Rex Ryan on a Jets team that wasn't particularly good with an offense with not a lot to help him out. But I, I do think that that's out there a little bit within the fan base, Chase. And um, as you can hear me on the stream, I'm, I'm trying to push back on that as I can. But it, it does seemingly kind of exist a little bit. And, and I don't know why. The guys played really good quarterback play for us. And I'm not saying today was one of those days where he played outstanding football. But uh, that we've got so many that have been like, that are, that are just you, like you just sit and wait, ready for this performance to happen. To throw that door open of 
Let's drop him, bench him, give me Drew Locke. Give me, like, I don't know. I don't, it, I, I don't know if I get to staggering, Jace, but I'm, yeah, it is a little bit, un, I, I don't, I, I, I watch the quarterback play around this sport and I see a lot of bad quarterback play and Gino's nowhere close to that. Nowhere close, you know. But uh, thank you for the $10 donation. I appreciate you. And certainly Russ got a lot more benefit than doubt. You weren't getting, if Russ had this kind of game, you wouldn't have as many people, and I can attest to this, I did those streams. You wouldn't have as many people in the chat going, going it hard at Russ. Now, maybe Russ had earned more because of his being a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but I don't know. These discussions are always a little tough too because right after a loss, there's a lot of emotions going every, every which way. Samuel Carlson, thank you for the $2 donation. I do appreciate it. And Chase, thank you for getting that big fat $10 dono drop. He says, tough loss, but Seattle has so much potential. So much potential, Samuel. And I do as much as anything remain convinced as you get through into this Super Bowl era, this modern era, that it's, it's about getting your team hot at the right time, getting them playing at their best at the right time. And uh, I don't think there's um, any doubt in my mind if you get into fuller strength than we're at right now, which I think we're bound to do, that you are going to get healthier, you are going to get better, and you potentially could be at your best at the end of this season, uh, especially if the injury stuff can start to hold up a little bit better like it has as of recent. But uh, the team's got a ton of potential, man. I talk about how young they are, but there's no doubt about the level of their talent and, and how explosive they can be on both sides of the ball, and you're starting to see the potential of that defense rising ever faster to a higher state, seemingly. And that's uh, part of why I have some encouragement coming out of this loss. But uh, well said, Samuel. Elliot Mangas, thank you for the $5 donation. Uh, who got hurt on the 49ers? I believe Debo Samuel had something. Uh, Christian McCaffrey suffers an oblique injury. And Debo Samuel was out with a shoulder, sir, shoulder uh, injury. So two very important players for that 49er offense. Looks like went down. Caffrey dealing with a oblique and a rib injury. It does look like the x-rays were negative um, on Debo, but he's going to have a MRI. That's the only update I'm seeing online posted right now, though, uh, Elliot. It looks like those were only their two, the only two real notable injuries. Let's see if there's any update. Past hour. Looks like Trent Williams also played through an ankle injury. So wow, three of the bigger names for the for the Niners could be beat up a little bit coming off the edge of this game. Williams has had some ankle problems in the past. But thank you, Elliot. Appreciate that $5 dono. Adrian X, thank you for the $2 donation. It's Browns and Jets, bad, -line, bad offense, elite D, both won. I like us. I like us too. Yeah. Yeah, I do as well. And yeah, both the Jets and the Browns do have those elite defenses in place. They can, I mean, substantially help you carry through. Our defense played like that today. Uh, just your offense couldn't quite muster up enough on the other side. 
But uh, I think that's a fair way to put it, Adrian X. For sure. Nicholas, uh, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, will be my first live game ever. Section 105. Let's effing go. Hey, there we go. Get down that lower level, Nicholas. I love it, man. It's a, it's a trip. It's an experience being down that low to the low to the ground there, getting to see the action that close. I mean, if you haven't been in that stadium and you're going for the first time, nothing wrong with the 300 level, nothing wrong with being on the top side of the shelf up there, but getting down low near to the ground there, being right, right close to it where you can feel the hit, you can feel the speed of the action. Uh, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. And so uh, yeah, you're going to have a great time. You get to go at nine, two to one of those games. It sounds like that Niner game at night is going to just be, the, the atmosphere is so much more alive. I mean, everybody's been drinking all day. You know what I mean? They're hand-boned. They're just like, everybody's lit going to that stadium by the game time. So uh, it's great. You're going to have an awesome experience, brother. Thank you for that donation, too. Mr. Kane, thank you for the $2 donation. My brother from another mother. How you doing? It's good to see you in the chat, man. It says, love the chat and stream, brother. Hit that like. Ah, thank you for that reminder, Mr. Kane. If you guys like what you're listening to today, do me this favor, small little favor, a little tiny little thing. Just just obliterate that like button. Just take your fist and just just slam it. It does help the chat, helps me out, helps me get viewed on other channels. It's all that good stuff. It's a very, very, very nice little benefit. Uh, I do want to, just a quick drop here and a thank you to the sponsor of this show. That's going to be Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy throughout the course of this season is going to be continuing to sponsor your man here. And on me right now, you get a hundo drop. I'm going to give you $100 straight from me. Not straight directly from me, but through the Underdog Fantasy app. Because when you click the link down in my top of my description, it's right there at the top. Click that link. And when you create a new profile, after click that link. They will match you up to $100 of your first deposit. Or you can go use my code NEST. That's another way that you can utilize that code. They'll match you up to $100 of your first deposit on me. Go there. They got some great contests ongoing on the site throughout the course of this year. You could throw in there giving away $200,000 a week on various contests they have going on. So uh, jump on in there and get yourself, win yourself a little bit of money. Thank you, Underdog Fantasy, for sponsoring the channel. And thank you, Mr. Kane, for that, that donation drop. And also reminding me about that like button thing, because I do forget that. Long live the king. Thank you for the $5 donation. Says our offense could likely alleviate all these defensive pressures by focusing on development of a screen pass game, wide receiver, tight end, or running back. We have neither. No, sadly, we have neither is a is the right way to put it. Uh, and maybe there is a place that this starts to become something of an option once you get back potentially either Kenny McIntosh or Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, love Bobo, and I like JSN a lot. But obviously, neither of those two guys are exactly screen guys. Um, and they haven't been able to run a traditional screen game in quite a bit of time just to the running back. But you didn't even try it. To your point on that long live the king today, you didn't even try to run one screen play. They haven't been successful with it. But it would have been nice to maybe at least try a time or two to run it to see if you could take advantage of, of the, the Bengals just trying to get upfield so fast with that many, especially when they're bringing up the seven, eight man fronts. Uh, and they're sending those guys. That would have been a nice way. It's a, a keen eye on your part catching that. Yeah, that's certainly a place the offense could look to improve and find a, a gear towards because it's, be it the bubble screens or the or just the traditional screens at the back. It hasn't worked here for a while. And that's one way to attack those uh, pass rushes that try to get upfield super fast is you hit, the, hit them with the screen game. And while other defenders are upfield, they got nobody on the back end after the screen gets out and the linemen are out in front. Agreed. Agreed, King. Thank you for the dono. And again, well spotted on your part. 
Mr. Kane says, so dang close today, but I didn't think we were going to win it. Did better than I thought. Also, I thank the Cleveland Browns for an awesome job today. It's a good way to put it, Mr. Kane. That's a good team we played across from them, and I think they went out there and, and took this victory out. It wasn't uh, you give it to the officials, make it, allow them to win. I think they got up this win and they took it, um, especially in that second half with how their defense played. And uh, it was really close. Like you say, I didn't have coming into this game this being a necessarily dub for our Hawks. I thought this was going to be kind of a, a, a tough, tough-ass fight all the way through and that we might just come up just short, which is the way it played out. Maybe that's why I'm not quite as up in arms as, as some might be out there. Um, but uh, I'm more encouraged for the future than dissuaded myself at this point. Jason Duder says, anyone in here actually saying it's only Gino? I'm sure I'm not seeing it. I've Jason, I've done, uh, I, I was there on the post-game reaction after the live play-by-play, -play, my man. I did a Bleacher Report half-hour live stream where we had commenters in there, and we are two hours into this stream right here. And even above your chat about, you can scroll up the chat 30 up, you can find people in there pointing to, yes, indeed, they put this solely on Gino. It's, I'm seeing a ton of it permeated through all three of the live streams I've done. So it's, it is, it is definitely something that's being said out there. And I wouldn't be responding to it here in the live stream if it's not, I'm not seeing it. I'm trying to push back on it. I'm trying to find the places I can, Jason, of course, of nuance here, which is always the toughest place to arrive at in sports where, you know, rather than us finding just one single super villain for a game that we try to kind of parse everything out properly and divvy up the blame in the right ways. Not to say Gino's also not without blame, but it, it, there is definitely a, this is on Gino game that I'm getting from the chat. From certain folks and so i'm pushing a little bit back against it because i don't agree with it but it's it's an opinion that exists yes jason to me the whole to me it's the whole offense it's not all on gino but his play needs to be way better i think that's the great way of putting it jason it's and that's that's to let's lay the claim at the offense but also gino's got to play better you know it's it's it can be both of those things rather than them being mutually inexclusive or is it mutually exclusive i don't know it's one of those two Jamal says, anytime Pete kicks those field goals and it's just eating me alive, I'm trying to get over it. I think he had started to adjust a little bit to the fact where he's thinking I can't rely on my defense like I once could because this has gotten me into trouble in the past in recent history here trying to rely back on the defense to hold the line. Um, but indeed, with the way the defense was playing today, maybe there was a little bit more solid or argument to be made that you take the field goals, take the points at that in, in that moment. Actually, says, oh, B wants to build the Legion of Boom defense than getting a good quarterback for an offense that has so many weapons. Um, no, I, I don't think you're rebuilding the Legion of Boom defense, but I think what you were doing was you're characterizing that somehow the Legion of Boom was just, we win the Super Bowl with Legion of Boom. We didn't have a quarterback carrying us through at that point. I think what you did and what I, my point was saying on that Akshay was that you built a team-based centric nature. You're trying to build the team up as a strength. You divvy up your assets and your resources along through the line of the whole team. You have a lot of offensive assets on this team, but I think you would acknowledge you've done a lot to bury into the defense as well here, right? The biggest free agent contract in Seahawks history, how much money is into the safety units, the top pick of this last draft to the defensive side of the ball. So what the team's trying to do for the long term is to fit off that model of 2012, which is not one to build a historic defense once again. I think that'd be great if they could pull it off. But as we all know, there's been five historic defenses in NFL history. I don't think John Schneider or Coach Carroll are counting on the fact that they're going to be able to do that again. But what you can do again is build up the team as a whole as a strength, as opposed to leaning into that mentality like you lean into in your thought process, Akshay, being it's the quarterback driving this thing. They don't, I don't think that they view it in that same way. 
And again, the, the folks, I've, I've checked this chat a couple times for the folks that are talking about the Geno stuff, I still don't see a lot of acknowledgement about the offensive line and where that factors into these struggles for the folks that are strictly on the camp of this is all on Geno. I'd love to see in the chat from the folks that are on the camp of this is all about Geno, it's on him, of who's the quarterback we can point to in recent history that goes on the road down three-fifths of their offensive line playing the, the second or third best team in a given conference and going out there and offensively killing it going out there and offensively putting up 30, 35 points. It's going to be tough selling for everybody is kind of what I'm saying. It's not to fully excuse Gino or to say he doesn't have some blame. He does. And again, I've said that now 75 times throughout this stream. I, you could probably literally cut me in saying that about 75 times, but that seems to get lost in me trying to find the nuance here. No, I don't expect him to rebuild the Legion of Boom defense. But actually, I didn't just reference the Legion of Boom defense in my response to you a second ago. I also said Marshawn Lynch. The offensive line, which was the highest paid offensive line in the NFL when Russell Wilson came aboard, the fact that often gets lost, Zach Miller at tight end, the receiving core that you had, the defensive line, the linebackers, it, it was a full team effort that got you there. It wasn't just a historic defense that took this carried the day through. Play on grenade. Yo, B, maybe you can figure out the enigma of why one side of the ball for us starts working, the other starts failing. I don't know, man. I don't have an explanation for it. Peanut says, I just wish we could play a complete game. I feel like this team can never put it all together constantly. It's a young team, and young teams are going to be very inconsistent and sometimes maddeningly inconsistent. Um, and I think that's a little bit of why we don't get the full four quarters at all times. But I do think that that team still could come this season. And it's a long year and a lot of time still for that to, to happen. Power of the chat's getting heated tonight. Yeah, it is a little bit. Roger, I don't know why Gino took a sack in the very last play. At the very least, throw it up and give someone a chance, even if it's an interception or whatever. Agreed. Yeah. I would like to see on that, don't take the sack. He took too many sacks today. That, that's a valid criticism of Gino today on this day of not having enough, you know, not recognizing the blitz, not getting the ball out of your hand. He had times where he held the ball and couldn't find a target. Uh, I think those are all valid. Jack Sports Talk with Jose Rodriguez. What's up, man? It's good to see you in the chat. Gaines says, I thought my man Gino played scared for some reason. He was definitely hesitant at times in this game. There's a, there are a variety of snaps you can see out of where it's just didn't seem to, he was not seeing it clearly today, I guess would be the, the succinct way that I would put that. Uh, Ocean Hills detailing with a $2 donation. It says, uh, trade for Russell Wilson, no cap it. Denver would get rid of him. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely wouldn't be doing that. I don't. I don't think, uh, I think he's burned his share. I think he burned, at least with the current administration, Ocean, I think he burned his share of uh, bridges um, when he left town the last time. I don't think that that's going to open the door back open for him to come back. Un yeah. Not to mention, I think the team's going to be pretty firmly established here with Gino at this point. Thank you for the $2 donation, though. Can't forget where rumors, and I think they're true, of tried to get John and Pete fired. Don't think that those guys are going to go back and retrade for that guy. New Blacks, Joshua Dobbs and Fields have a better quarterback rating than Geno this year. 
it's yeah maybe okay have they dealt with what he's had to deal with on their offensive line has their offensive line been closer to full strength All right, the Bears have played the Packers, the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Commanders, the Vikings. I mean, I guess the, the, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers are okay defenses. The Commanders are all right. I don't know. He's thrown for 300, time, 300 yards three times over this year. I don't know, man. I can't get there on the Geno folks. I get that there's those of you out there that feel that way. I just, I myself can't get there. Jiggy Docs, Brandon, do we pick a quarterback 2024 or is Locke being groomed to be the Geno 2.0? I agree about defensive tackle, inside linebacker, and offensive line, though. I think that they're going to more target into the second through the fourth round range of things in this draft. Again, fitting to a bit of the blueprint from 2012, where when you drafted Russ, you had the team in place. You'll have the team in place. And then you look for more of the second, third round, fourth round quarterback you can bring in on a cheap rookie deal um, to potentially compete there with Geno. I don't think that that's going to make them the instantaneous starter any more than it made Russell the instantaneous starter. But certainly there'll be an opening there for him to go and then Take the job if he can win it. I, I don't think Drew's going to be the long-term answer here. I think they afforded him this year on the one-year $4 million deal with a $3 million incentive because of the fact that they could with Gino only costing $10 million on the cap this year. I don't think that that's going to be able to be something they pull off next year. And then the quarterback cloud, you got to, I think you're going to have about 12, 13 guys from the second round to the fourth round at the quarterback position taken in this next draft. Robert says, I kind of wish we would use Zach more in the red zone. Me as well. Me as well. Uh, Akshay says, the, the, the same reason they won't believe in Gino, you ain't proving in anything until you prove you're it. It's a simple mantra of life, B. I don't know what that means. I don't, I, I just don't know what, what you mean by that that statement actually and maybe you're proven right but we, we i think we just have a disagreement here um I, again i've asked for the folks that are on the geno camp of this to acknowledge in the offensive line issues that have undertaken over these all of the games in this season past the first two quarters and there doesn't seem to be much given room on that there seems to be an expectation based on the lack of response i'm getting to this question that geno was supposed to put the cape on and ride high with three-fifths, four-fifths, five-fifths of his offensive line out, that he should be an MVP-like player, that, that that's our expectation level. I personally just did never have that expectation level. If that means that I'm, I'm accepting of a mediocre quarterback to your eyes, then so be it at that point. But the mediocre quarterback set Seahawks records last year and won Comeback Player of the Year award. He did so having to carry an offense that for a big part of the year didn't have an offensive line in place, didn't have a running game in place, you were signing guys off the street like Tony Jones Jr. Had no slot receiver available. Tight end starting to wither away by the end of the year like Disley going down the last couple of games. So, I, I mean, that's I, I feel pretty strongly on that. I, I, I'd like for more of you folks that are in the camp, if you can, if we can try to expand this into an actual discussion, to go more out of the realm of being, in, as I say with these kind of things, less of the vagary, actually, you know, less of the vagary where we stay in these tones of speaking and you're not it until you're it. You haven't done until it's done. 
that stuff doesn't really mean anything. Like, he's down the offensive line. He gets his offensive line restored later on. Why will that not breed better success for this offense moving forward in tangible terms? Because you simply see him as mediocre? When he's shown you in the past, like he did through the first 12 games last year, when he had an offensive line in place, what he could do with that. I'm, I'm basing my opinion off what I've seen from him in recent history. You're basing your opinion on the feeling you have about him and where you've kind of put him in your mind. You put him in the box in your mind of where he sits and he isn't getting out of that box absent him going out and being a superhero. My contention is you're not paying Gino to be a superhero. He's costing 10 million on the cap this year, 30 on the million off the cap next year. That's half of what the top quarterbacks make in this sport, less than half on the new market contracts that are going to be handed out this next offseason. Can't quite get to the spot where the expectation level is on that particular guy that he's got to be Mahomes. He's got to be Burrow. And that's kind of a little bit of my feel. I'm not sure of it, but that's the feeling I'm getting, especially with the lack of response and looking at this offensive line and how that factors into it. The lack of acknowledging of the Bengals. It seems to be the folks that think Geno's just simply trash and how he's played are acknowledging that that Bengals defense has made a pretty good defense when it's all said and done this year. But again, I understand. As I say, I'm always respectful of the fact that I get that there might just be a disagreement point on it. I'm just trying as much as anything just to find the discussion spot that there's something to bring us discussion. You know, Gino's mediocre. Gino's not the guy. There's no really where else to go with the discussion at that point. Jason says, Gino did blame himself for the loss. It's obviously not entirely him, but good to hear the humility there. It's one of the reasons I like Gino. He's a leader and does not try to parse things away. He owns it. That's, that's part of the reason I have faith in him as the quarterback here for this team. New Black says, okay, obviously it's not 100% Gino, but whether it's DK Gino that led to three points on the INT, then the JSNIT led to loss of at least field goal temp for two fourth downs where he didn't even give anyone a chance. Certainly didn't play good. I certainly am not, I'm not giving him a gold star of the day. You know, that's certainly a poor performance from Gino overall, but, that, but it, is it a, this, this tells us what Gino is, poor performance, that this, the, now he's been exposed? No, I, I can't get there. But yes, definitely didn't play good, New Blacks, for sure. And that's valid criticism. This is where I'm trying to get to is we can criticize Gina without getting the point of it's time for the hook. You know? Day, how expensive is it going to be to bring Bobby back next year? Probably similar to what you paid him this year, Day. I think he's going to take it as a one, one, one year at a time type deal. Robert, what are your thoughts on Waldron play calling in the red zone? I think we have a, a stunning lack of commitment to the running game in the red zone overall so far this year. Uh, I don't think we're very creative at the red, in the red zone. I, I feel like we just kind of run out of gas there uh, from especially a play calling standpoint. Very, very disappointed with seeing what they're doing with the red zone. So it's, it's kind of multiple there. They also seem to be able to, like second they get the red zone, to not be able to pass protect, which I can't make much sense of either. Jarek Sports Talk with Jose says, I blame the offensive coordinator, the O-line, Gino and DK. See, I think that's a fair way to parse it out, Jose. Why, you're a smart, smart man. Uh, three hour, what do we blame DK for? DK had a penalty in this game. He also, I think, was probably on the hook for one of Gino's interceptions where he didn't run out his route. Mark, biggest issue was the play calling today. Gino was always under pressure today. Agreed. I think that's right there with it. You could tell me that, and I'd say I, I could get with that. You can tell me offensive line, I can get with that. Not to let Gino Foley off the hook, but just it all goes together. Stale Brandon, to be clear, Waldron is to blame as well. There was a disturbing lack of routes and plays that actually beat coverage with design. 
Waldron is having a bad year IMO. It's definitely not been at his best to start this year out. And uh, the hope is, is that once you get that line coming back, a little fuller health, maybe that will improve with that, that the production will improve with it. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, it's, he's not been at his best this year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would concur. I concur. Tay 206, I thought a couple trick plays would have been helpful today. When your offense is having a hard time getting uphill, you know, try to, try to let it roll through a little bit. Um, and, uh, I, I just not that, that just goes again to the lack of creativity a bit today. Uh, Joe, we haven't picked a nickname yet. I know I promised today to do it, but Chet's a little fiery and red hot. I don't think it's kind of right now, the right moment off of a loss here to quite dig into it. We'll get it. We'll do it at some point here. I promise. But, um, Probably not the right spirit we're at today a little bit with the Jet. Lee says, the reason we lost is because we kept giving the ball to K-9. Zach would have made touchdown for us at the red zone. Why don't they believe in Zach? I don't know. He's supposed to be the hammer that you lean on down by the red zone, to your point. I don't have an explanation for it. Ray Barrios, Purdy's weak arm, got exposed today. He put so much into those deeper throws that he loses accuracy. Amen. Yeah, he just doesn't have a deep, he does not have an arm that can get it there. They've been able to scheme around it. And Shanahan's smart about that. But you lose McCaffrey, you lose Debo. Now you don't have the playmakers getting the separation across the board. And now the windows start getting tight. And now you got to hold the ball a little bit. Now you got to start trying to push the ball down the field. Yeah. Uh, that's why we drew trade DK when we just extend him. I, I, I wouldn't, it's not going to happen. Um, they're, and DK is just a guy that just it's a little like Gino in a different lane than it's just doing these shows every every couple days a week and having so many interactions as I do I start to get a real good feel for fan base and different people where they stand and there's people that are on the standing of Gino can never can never be it and absent him going out there and flying on high they will never change off of their stance on that and there's people that just don't like DK and you know, that DK is, so it's just, it's, it is what it is, but it exists in the fan base. And if you're unaware of it, you're aware of it now. Both of those two camps do exist out there. I'm not in either of them, but it, it is out there. And DK is not going anywhere. I agree. Sam Championship, if people don't like our offense today, imagine what it would be without DK laughing out loud. Yeah. He's one of my favorite football players on this team. So uh, another place where I'm not getting to that spot ever. Ever, ever, ever. I thought the penalty today was weak sauce. I'll definitely knock him for not running out the route on the interception. I think that's valid, but I think that the, the penalty was stupid. Silliness. Antoine Cobb, Antoine uh, Cobb says the Seahawks have two running backs in the top 10 PFF. We should be finding more ways to utilize them. Agreed, Antoine. Yeah. These guys have been very successful at finding whatever there is to get, and they'll even get a little bit more beyond that. Uh, and there hasn't been a lot of holes with this offensive line, but uh, certainly a little bit more of a commitment to the running game as we go down the, the, the long stretch of this schedule here would, would be helpful. 
New Blacks, I'll never forget how absolutely trash Russ was in that Packers game. He had like five INTs, but at the end of the day, he won that game with a walk-off touchdown. He did. Remember, too, though, New Blacks, part of the reason in those games you would get to the place you'd get in those games is the lack of consistency and success of the offense, the lack of consistent drives from Russ in those games where you'd have to get it down to the wire. Um, some games he brought you back where they were offensively good. There's a lot of those games where they'd be bad and then just suddenly turn on in the fourth quarter. You know, you can also win a lot of games by being good offensively on the forefront of that, too. So I say there's different ways to win. There's different ways and methods and approaches to do it. Um, I don't think we need a Russ-like clutch guy in order to get a Super Bowl win. Or like Russ Clutch was like in his prime. Uh, Dasan, it wasn't a great game, but damn, when players like Gino and DK are at their worst or not playing well, people really hate them. It's crazy. Yeah. Kind of what I'm you seeing the same thing I am, Dasan, where it's, it's Jeff, the, the, the knives come out very quickly. Very quickly. Tyler Jackson, can someone tell me what happened uh, at the second interception? I keep hearing it's DK's fault. Well, there's certainly some contention about whether or not this is accurate and the way I'm going to put it next, but this is just my take on it. It looked to me like DK was running a post route. He comes to the stem of the route and starts to take that angled run towards a post like a receiver typically would, and they just came to a stop. It looked like because he decided the cornerback had leverage and he wasn't going to be able to create separation. But it looked, I got to go back and look at the tape, Tyler, because you get one look and, on a replay live and then you don't see the play again. But um, I would tend to believe that it's, he didn't run it out. He, he sort of came to a stop. CJ, something mighty unfortunate from this game is that aside from all those, oh, I think you meant mighty fortunate, uh, aside from all those red zone woes, our whole, our whole offense actually looked and moved better than the Bengals offense throughout. Yeah, it's really in those red zone struggles, but you did have some good consistent drives throughout the course of this game. Just everything came to a stop down there near the red zone. Jesse, this isn't the first bad game Geno's had. Geno played well against the, didn't play well against the Giants either. Yeah, I don't know if I would say Geno played bad against the Giants. Maybe didn't play well. It's a good way of putting it. Um, I guess this is kind of where we're at the, where, with the context of this stream, where there's, there's some that will be in my camp for you folks in here that look at the offensive line down four-fifths, five-fifths, three-fifths, and constantly trying to rotate back guys in and go, that's going to impact the quarterback position. I guess there's others that don't feel that should impact the quarterback position. The backups are fine. And you're able to do your job just like you normally would, and you shouldn't be hindered by that. Um, I, I think that's where there's a little bit of a disagreement out there as it exists, if I may say on this. And <clears throat> my feeling is that it's going gonna, it's gonna to hinder you. It hindered you today, and especially when you play a good defense, it's most especially going to hinder you. And I think you played a pretty good defense when it's all said and done this year. But um, no, Geno's had other bad games too. He's had a lot of good to great games as well, I would say. 
and those do somehow get kind of lost, I guess, in these kind of performances. Byron says, other than the first quarter, I thought Waldron's play calling was poor. I would say the same. Pina says, JSN had a wide open touchdown on Geno's scramble too. I think Geno was just off today. Yeah. Good way of putting it. Standard champion Gino has not been amazing, but he uh, makes low-end starter money on a team-friendly deal. Holds himself accountable and is a good teammate. Beautifully put, standard champion. I couldn't put it any better than that. Exactly. Addis the Gamer says CMC could be out for a while. Apparently that's a serious injury. You're bleak. You're bleak. That'd be tough for the Niners. He's been making that offense really cook and roll since he's come there. Jesse Moe says, I don't hate Gino. I hope he's all pro and breaks every record, but he hasn't played consistent since the second half of last year. He's pretty good in that Lions game. He's pretty good in that Packers game throughout. DJ, I don't think uh, Jamal was brought in the blitz very much in this game at all. Um, I think maybe once, to be honest with you. He's up near the line of scrimmage a lot. Junior Joe says, I love it without Debo Samuels. And McCaffrey, the Niners lose the next five games. Watch. Every time McCaffrey goes out, it seems like their whole offense goes out. I think it does only if they miss both of those two guys over that span. That, and not to mention Trent Williams with a dodgy ankle. That's, that's going to be tough on them. That, that's not an easy, easy pull for them at that point. Power Goats has so many arguments, so much conflict. Where are the wholesome vibes? I suppose a bad offense is the enemy of peace. Understandably so. Even still, Brando, Pumko, and my fellow 12s are amazing. They are indeed. And I do appreciate everybody tonight watching. I know it's a tough subject we're covering, but I appreciate you watching nonetheless. El Destructo, the soothing sounds of Brandon Kane and my new Sennheiser headphones. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Brandon Kane on the Sennheiser headphones. yeah ocean hills detail just no chance to trade for wilson um broncos don't have the dead money they can eat on the deal right now to even sustain moving him um seattle wouldn't want him i don't think it, it just yeah not happening they'll be cutting him at the end of the year and brian i think they're going to cut wilson because there's a cap there's a cap roster bonus thing that kicks in for Russell a week after the end of the season, which means they marry themselves to more new money a week after the year. I don't think the Broncos are going to sign up for that.
Byron P says, how come our offensive line was so much worse today? I think I would point to three main reasons. Um, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, and um, DJ Reader. I think all of those guys flourished and had their had their way. I think the the blitz game from the Bengals confused the hell out of the Seahawks offense, and we weren't really prepared for it. So I would say it's a combination of those two. Brian says, B, thanks for all you do for the fans. Got to go, gents. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, Brian. Appreciate you watching. Kingdom Joe says, Gino had a bad game, but also had two tackles and a, uh, and a guard out. I think DK not really running his routes at the moment. JSN not getting open. Tyler Lockett being double teamed. Gino did decent. Yeah, I, I will still go to give the people the credit to say that he didn't play well. I mean, I, I'm willing to go to that that realm of it. And I think that's a valid criticism to make. But I think you bring up the right truck here, Kingdom Joe, which is that you got the backup offensive line. It's a tough, tough road to go through. And uh, I did present to the chat. I said, if there's something out there that's telling me that Geno's playing bad, when you folks, I'd love you to post it. Show me the quarterback over the last three years. Show me one quarterback that's gone up against a team that ends up being top three in either of their conferences who had to go on the road down three-fifths, four-fifths, five-fifths of their offensive line and still went out and produced offensively. Went out and was able to put 30, 35 points up on the board against a true team that they're not a weak team they're going across the road, but a, a true, tough, difficult test like we had to face today. Momo Moon in the house. What's up, Momo Moon? Hello, Hawks Nest. B, I like what you're saying. Thank you, Momo Moon. Momo Moon's kicking off a cool little channel on her side. She's got a little ethereal. Ethereal. Spirituality. Fritz, what makes uh, this loss more frustrating is we could have been one behind the Eagles and Niners and Lions tonight. Does make it tough. Lost opportunity. Myron Deeses, our offensive line sucked today, but Gino didn't play great either. I think that's a great way of putting it. Fantastic way of putting it. Actually, it says, B, I think we both agree we need the entire team for us to win the Super Bowl, but I also think Gino Smith won't get the job done, just like how the Niners were frustrated with Jimmy G. Indeed, I think that we have some agreements on this that we go down the line of actually. I think that that's the spot where we might disagree. I think that Gino Smith as a quarterback is better than Jimmy G. Um, maybe not by lengths and, uh, you know, maybe not by a huge wide margin, but I do still feel like when this season finishes off Akshay, Geno Smith is going to be a top 10 quarterback. And I think when last year finished off, Geno Smith was a top 10 quarterback. Um, and if, if you want to just kind of distill down to the performance where he was at, I, I don't think that I ever had Jimmy Garoppolo in a state at any given year in this NFL period where I would have looked at him as a top 10 quarterback in the sport. I think I can always find 10 other quarterbacks I would take over Jimmy Garoppolo, even when he was riding high with the Niners whenever he was kind of riding high. So that's just the little place I think that there's a difference between us. I'm not saying Gino's significantly better, but I think he's better. Better. Good enough to make the couple of throws in the game that the Niners had with Jimmy G in that Super Bowl that Jimmy G was unable to make. I think Gino can make those throws. I don't think he necessarily misses those. But I appreciate where you're coming from. 
Connor Witherspoon had another great game, man. Three passes defensed. Fantastic on his part. Jeffrey O'Kelly, RD is looking like a Super Bowl caliber defense. If the offense can figure this red zone and third down issue out, we are a Super Bowl favorite. Woo, let's go, Jeffrey. I love, I like the positivity, man. And the defense definitely coming on. And don't forget motive. We got Locke, uh, Locke's injured too with an ankle injury right now. Good luck says Russ contract alone makes him worthless. Too much money for any team to want him. Agreed. Yes, sir. Connor says, one thing I really hope is we do use Charbonnet more, especially in goal-to-go situations inside the five. I don't really understand why he doesn't get more carries in those situations. I, I'm flummoxed as you are by that one. I don't have a good answer either when it comes to that, unfortunately. Sanchez, thank you for the $2 donation. Says we're three and two. So are the Bills. So we're just as good as them. There we go, Sanchez. There we go, man. <laughs> I love your logic. That's ironclad, man. <laughs> uh, Sanchez with another $5 donation as well. I appreciate the double dono drop, brother. Says either refs need to let DK block or the league needs to change the rule. And we're one year closer to flag football. I, I beautifully put, I'm glad that you raised this up, R. Sanchez, because there are people that are going to get mad about the DK deal. My opinion on it, I'm going to try to show this on the channel of a video because I know that this is going to be brought up and I'm going to bring up the All-22 and show you guys what that play is going to look like. And I almost can guarantee you that the All-22 is going to show the play is live, the play is going, DK is in front of the play, and the DK is blocking the cornerback in front of the play. Now, he knocks the cornerback on his butt, but... That's fair. You can do that when you block a guy. You can knock a guy down. As long as you're not pulling the guy down, right? As long as there's not you ripping and tearing, which they didn't call him for holding. The unnecessary roughness. No, it's necessary. I'm trying to block this guy and eliminate him from the play. And the guy didn't put any effort out. He just sort of like limped his way through the play to the cornerback. I, I hate that the officials have decided to target DK for this stuff. It's, it pisses me off. What's he supposed to do? Just go over there and patty cake him? You know, and then what's going to happen is DK is going to soften up his blocking and then these corners are going to get off his blocks and then everybody's going to bitch and moan in my chat about DK doesn't block. It's like, well, what do you want him to do? Then he blocks hard and they call him for it. You know? Yeah, I, 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 give me a break. You know, it's football, right, Sanchez? It's freaking football. It's the NFL. Appreciate you though, man, for that donation. Daniel Freeman. Thank you for the fiver. Very kind of you as well, man. I think you dropped a two or three donos tonight on the stream. So thank you very much. The great thing about Gino's deal is that he doesn't need to be the guy to take us all the way. Nobody should be expecting him to be elite. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's not the, it's not our, what we're trying to do. It is, a, it is an approach. It is an approach teams take to where, okay, our quarterback's got to carry us. Okay, we're giving him all this money. Now he's going to have to raise all the boats on the tide. That's not the way you've set this up with Gino and the way that you've constructed this deal. And so the expectation with that has also got to go down a little bit and that, well, maybe we're not trying to build it the way everybody else is building theirs or we're a majority are trying to build theirs. We're zigging where everyone else is zagging. And we're doing so on the back of a strategy that worked not 10 years ago to help to get you to back-to-back -back Super Bowls. It wasn't Russell Wilson carrying the day when you got to back-to-back -back Super Bowls. It wasn't Peyton Manning back in his elite territory 
you know, slinging the rock, setting record-setting yardage. He was a shell of himself, and he had, what, Brock Osweiler as his backup, and that team went out and won a Super Bowl. There are multiple ways to go out there and win. There's multiple ways to go get yourself a championship. And what I like about what the team's doing right now is they're fitting to a model that worked not 10 years ago. Will it work now into the future? We'll see. Will we come to find out, as, as Akshay believes, that you're going to get to a spot here where you're going to need the quarterback to carry the day? And that that's what we'll find out to be the truth? It might be. But that's not what you did 10 years ago. And I love that the team is fitting back to the form that they utilized 10 years ago as, as much as they can because it brought the greatest of success their way. And once they left that model, the, the success was a diminishing returns kind of situation. And we're back to the root, in my opinion. Back to the root. But thank you, Samuel. And well said on your part. Glizzy Gremlin says this team has its best days ahead of everyone. Don't be discouraged or angry at the offense. It will get better. They laid an egg today. Hit rock bottom. They'll bounce back, Glizzy. I agree. They will bounce back, brother. Well said. Tyler says there wasn't a first round grade guard in the draft and Derek Hall has been solid. Simply put in a, put a guard would have been of reach over JSN. Yes. Yeah. I, I think taking, for instance, Avelia, I guess would have had to have been the pick there. Um, would he have technically maybe made our offense better? Maybe, maybe, but it would have been a big reach to grab him in that spot. And we're asking our team to be, it's always, as I always like to say with this, it's you ask your team to be value-based in their approach. Who's the highest value we have on the board? That means you're not reaching for need. You know, you're trying to just take the highest guy. And there was no way that there was any NFL team who would have been picking at 20 there, who would have had Avilia, who would have been the highest rated guard or Osiris Torrance, who would not have been a scheme fit for this team higher than JSN. There just wasn't many good guards in this draft, unfortunately. And the ones that were, weren't fits really for what we do. Tyler says, also, I bring this back from a previous stream, but I really want us to get Kyle Pitts either during this offseason or during, the, during this season or offseason. It'd probably have to happen this offseason, I would say, Tyler. It's a possibility of that, maybe. But that would have to be when that would occur. Probably not in season. Exact Brennan, Gina wasn't supposed to wear a cape. He was supposed to have a Santa Claus outfit in eight reindeer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, New Black says, to the offensive line issues, I would also put that on Waldron a ton too. Both Gino and Waldron deserve blame. Agreed. Uh, if the offensive line is struggling so much, why are we bombing it deep? No heavy tight end sets, et cetera. Agreed. Yeah, not a lot of easy completions in New Blacks, not a lot of rollouts with Gino as we've seen him a couple times. Waldron special, you know, get him out onto the edge and let him hit a guy on the flat. It was, it was a lot more of a kind of the tougher routes that we were asking Gino to hit in this game a bit. Not sure why. But yeah, I think they both do get, the, there's their blame to pass out in both directions on that one. I think Tyler too, the problem making a trade for a Pitts guy right now is where do you put him right now? You're three tight ends deep. You feel good about all three of those tight ends. You know, he can't do the blocking stuff of Disley and Parkinson. Um, he's not going to know the offense as well as Fant. You, you know, where do you acclimate him in at? You got Bobo rolling good. You're trying to get Jackson Smith, you know, worked into the offense. And it'd be kind of hard to, to find a fit right now for him. Yeah, more running Charbonnet, Nicholas. I agree. 
That'd be a good We should find four, at least four or five carries for him a game. Relax, I don't expect you to be a superhero, but he also can't make dumb mistakes like that JSN interception in field goal range. The DKINT, if it was his fault, not throwing the ball and giving us a chance on fourth down. Uh, definitely the JSN one is a, uh, that's an erroneous throw on his part. I, I wouldn't try to excuse that at all. That was his worst throw of the way day new blocks. He can't throw those kind of throws. His decision-making on that has to be better. The DK one, I give a little bit more rope to because of the fact he's got pressure in his face. He's not out of the pocket, so he can't just throw it away. And as far as, you know, just tossing it over into the sideline. So he's got to throw it away in a place where he's like, okay, I'm giving DK a chance here. And I've often said that I want more of those opportunities for DK to be able to use his big body and maybe he doesn't have separation and you throw that in and you try to see if he can make the catch like he did last week on the Giants game on the where you know he has the late the late hands by DK and the touchdown catch i i want to see that DK just stops running his route i mean that's hard for a quarterback to anticipate that should be at the worst case scenario an incomplete pass um and i'm not saying it. Gino didn't did not play well today he did not play well i just can't it, the place where i'm drawing the line on is just the reason for the loss was Gino that's that's just the 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 clear place I'm kind of pulling, putting the line in the sand for me on it, where I, I can't get there with it. Uh, Glizzy says, as I said, this team's best days are ahead. The offense, oh, sorry. Just reference that. Akshay says, our offensive line is way better now than Rusby. The reason 12s gave Russ O. Wilson some slack when he lost some games was because Russell Wilson one more of those game close games than we lost. That's what I mean. GS has to prove it to earn it. Um, I don't think that Geno Smith has been given an offensive line that's better than what Russell Wilson had through these first course of these games so far, Akshay. Not this year. No way. Not with their performance and where they've been at. Um, so I, I, I strongly disagree with you there. I would also disagree with you that from game 13 onward of last season, that Geno Smith got anywhere close to the pass protection or the run blocking in front of him that Russell Wilson got with that offensive line as well. So from about onward of 13 games last season and minus the first half of the opening game in this year, he's had an offensive line that's been very, very equivalent to what Russell Wilson dealt with, in my opinion. And that's part of the reason why the offense started to fail at the end of the year, in my opinion, actually, is the first 12 games, Gino was good to great, and your offense was carrying the day. Your offense was on pace for 6,500 total yards that season. But then what happened? The offense, the tackles hit the rookie wall. The interior of offensive line started to fall apart. Your running backs became decimated as they had on the year. You were to DJ Jones. You lost your slot receiver after Eskridge went down, and then you lost uh, the good one on top of it, so you had no slot to go to. Then you lost Disley as the season went along. You know, you had not a lot you were working with by the end of the year and it started to fail and it started to go wrong, which is, this is all back to my point, Akshay, is you're driven by your team. So when your, your team's half out on offense, you're not going to be all that great offensively, but that's kind of by the design of how you're trying to make the offense function. Most teams are not going to function in the NFL if half of their offense is out. So yeah, through the first 12 games last year, did he have that kind of pass protection that Russell didn't have? Yeah, he didn't. But what did he also do with that pass protection he had at that time? He gave you good to great games through 12 straight games last year. It was by game 13, that Tampa game. Everything starts to you know float into the wrong sideways direction of things. But it's you can find the reasons why. As we get to the, rather than it being the single villain thing, you go, well, wait, we're not creating any holes in the running game. And then, oh, wait, we don't have the running backs who can then overcome those lack of holes. They're getting tackled in the backfield. So now we have to pass every time. It's, it's a little bit like, actually, look at that Niner game. 
is emblematic of those games from week 13 onward at that point, where Gino's got to score every single time kind of to make it happen. Because on top of all those things in the offense he's dealing with, you also at that point didn't have a defense that was functional either through the back half of that schedule. Um, again, the place we'll probably have just a bit of a disagreement on, but I, yes, first 12 games last year, 13 onward through this year, pretty much. No, I don't think it's been as good. And as well, we're talking about what you pay quarterbacks and what you don't and expectation level. When I'm paying quarterback top five quarterback money, I'm expecting top five level quarterback play. Russell Wilson didn't give you that. He went out and said, you're going to make me one of the top paid quarterbacks. And then you need to build me the supporting cast around this for me to, to succeed as well. In addition to that. You have a $10 million cap hit on Geno Smith this year. The, the percentage cap hit Geno's costing you this year, Russell Wilson was not that low ex, absent except his rookie deal, which is, is going to allow you to build a stronger team when this is all said and done and will be a better team and probably give you better results, get you further in the playoffs because of it. But there's a bit of an expectation level difference too between Russ and Geno when Russ is going to ask to be paid that mark. Because if you're asked to pay that mark, I can't devote those other assets to other places on the ball. There's somewhere I'm going to have to pull that from. There's somewhere I'm going to have to take that from to accommodate your top three salary. And, and that's a key point of that. John, clearly we're all frustrated, but at the end of the day, we're three and two, like most probably projected. The next five are all winnable. So we'll see what happens. I love the, I love the attitude, Sean. Love it. And uh, I agree with it. Mr. Kane, I says, I think Gino could have done better. I'm more concerned about the red zone play calling when the, their defense is juiced up to sack Gino. Give me some quick release fades into the corner routes. Agreed. Yeah, I think the red zone play calling has got to get improved here, Mr. Kane. It's been, it's been very, uh, very bland. Also with a little bit more running game, a little bit more attempt to try to run, I think I would say. Mr. Kane says, hey, Brandon, quick note. I am uh, taking ASL classes. I may be able to translate what DK says on the field if he does use it, laughing out loud. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm expect I'll expect a note then. A couple notes during the game. Oh, he just said this to this guy. He just called this guy a sea sucker. Uh, he says, I believe all this feel that you can put this game all in Geno have not actually played football. <laughs> exactly. Connor says Metcalf said he was supposed to break in, but stopped when he felt the corner breaking in to undercut the route. Ding, 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 ding. So Brandon was right, right? I didn't know that information. I've been calling that and saying that's, and there's people, this is the thing with the folks that on that DK thing of, ah, I don't want DK. DK and then DK's on. It's, he's got to run the route there. Can't come to stop. He came to stop. Gino's anticipating that. You can't stop your route as a receiver. That's, that, that's going to get your quarterback into trouble. So glad DK owned it. Or why I like DK is he'll own it. If something goes wrong, if he does something wrong, own it on that one as he should. It's good.
Byron, B, Byron P says this is a, was a winnable game. That might be the reason why a lot of fans are upset. Certainly it's a winnable game and I can sense the frustration that's out there, Byron. And I get that. I, I, I wouldn't write a, I'm not trying to push back on that too much. Um, I, it is a wonder on my part just as to where, again, just where do we put the context in? And maybe that's a little bit of a tough thing for me to ask for at this point of context. Now, where does the context of the backup offensive lineman, where does the context of the Bengals being a good team? You know, they got to the Super Bowl two years ago in a absolutely um, difficult AFC to get through. But yeah, I think it's definitely, we had it within our grasp and it slipped through the fingers. Definitely probably a bit of the frustration coming from that. Ricky Garden says, uh, Gene only had one good game versus the Lions. The other four games, he sucked. Man, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. My, I guess my idea of what's a quarterback sucking is different from others on this one. I, I see a quarterback go out, throw it for 140, 160, and I go, he sucks. Um, I got a quarterback throwing for 300 yards with three-fifths, four-fifths, five-fifths of his offensive line. And again, it continues to be a thing I see in the comments from those posted that are putting this all in Geno is there's no acknowledgement of the offensive line whatsoever in the dealing with this dealing with these issues. You also say he played only one game. So the Carolina Panthers game, he's 23 of 36, 296 yards, a touchdown and interception. And your your feeling on that is that he sucked in that game. That's that's a sucky game. I, I don't know where we're going to get to on this discussion at all if we're kind of speaking in these kind of measures. There the place we try to push for on this channel is not to get you to agree with me, but to get to a point, let's get to the nuanced state of things. I know we're emotional. We want to just broad brush it and like, it's this, this is the reason, or that's the reason, but there's many reasons you lose a football game. Has Gino got to eat his share of the blame? Sure he does. And he's taken that blame in the press conference, but eh, there's some acrobatics going on to, to, to paint Gino in a way that again, I know is a lot has been preloaded. Because I've been dealing, I've been having the discussions for a year going back on this one. And I, if you feel that way, you feel that way, fair enough. But I, I think there's a little bit of a benefit of the doubt here with it's kind of due on this. The, this is a Cincinnati team that's a good team. Let's look away from the record and look at how they played in recent years. Look at the fact that Burrow's been injured through most of this year, getting back to full health here by this game. And that that's a team that rides or dies with their quarterback carrying the load for them. Um, you know, if you, I don't know. I mean, are, are Bengal fans with him throwing for, what did he throw for, 180 yards today? Are Bengal fans looking at Burrow? Oh, boy, Burrow couldn't, couldn't beat the hot, that Hawk defense. You can only throw for 180 yards and you had an interception? Oh, he's trash. He can't get us there. He obviously can't bring us the day. Well, probably not. He's probably pretty well supported. He didn't do a lot to win the game, though. Right? It was his defense that kind of won that game for him.
know, Williams says that the Giants beat the Bills. This will truly be a weird day. Well, they're up 3 nothing right now. Bills are struggling coming into this game, too, a little bit. They've lost three of their top-end defenders. That's not easy. David says this was a loss to a solid AFC team. It wasn't to an NFC contender, which would have been worse. As far as losses come, there's a lot to build on. The trajectory for this team is positive. Well said, David. Well said. Mr. Keynes says, I have faith that this healthy line, the offense will be so much better. That's my bold prediction too, Mr. Keynes. See, we got, we got blood somewhere we share. We're the two of like mind on this thing. I think once you get Lucas back, especially, watch this offense start to take off. Watch some of the red zone struggles start to not be uh, as bad at that point when we get back a little bit more of the full offensive line. Well, yeah, Grenade, isn't there always a way that one weird week in the league when the monster favorites always end up losing? There always seems to be a week like that, yeah. Yeah, Wicked, I'd love to know where your where's your stance on with Gino's performance as you're you're holding him to a very strong account in his recent performance and how bad you think he's played this year. How much are you factoring into that right now, the offensive line? Any is it like it is just five percent bump? Like he should still just overcome it. And uh it's a question I've asked, I think, for the course of about the last hour and a half. I haven't gotten a response back from the the negative folks on Gino saying Gino needs to not be the guy. He's not the answer. We've learned today. He's not the answer where show me in the last three years of football, a player that's gone on the road and played a top three team in a conference for that given season. Who's down three fifths, four fifths, five fifths of his offensive line and goes out there and still gets that offense to produce that finds that offense out there, just cooking it up 30 plus points. It's, I don't think that there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be able to overcome in that situation, maybe absent two in this league, a standard by which I don't think that we're holding Geno to. Seahawks fan, I feel like Geno, I feel like the O-line finally had a bad game. Geno played bad, but it isn't all his fault. And Shane Waldron was not great either. This is where I sit on it as well. Mr. K, love all my Hawks Nest family, but I got to run. Chances are Brandon will still be on by the time I get back on. Go Hawks. Stale says, Brandon, I don't expect Gino to put up 35 points for the crippled old line. I do expect him to play like a veteran in the red zone, not throw picks into triple coverage and take Wilson-esque sacks. That's fair. Um, that's fair. I, I think one does kind of open it up though. When you're dealing with that line like that, it sort of opens up to those plays in a way which normally wouldn't be opened up to if those things weren't on that point. That's why I try to reference this to somebody finding an example in the last three years of a quarterback going on the road and doing this, because I think it's something that a lot of quarterbacks deal with. You'll find them looking like they're taking Wilson-esque sacks or throwing bad balls. Um, it puts them under greater stress to make decisions quicker and faster than they normally would like to make if they've got the pass pro in place. And I know that when I had Geno Smith with good pass, prote pass protection, and the only time I can say he's had that was through the first 12 games of last year, that I had Geno playing like a top five quarterback in the sport. Not a top 10 quarterback in the sport. I had him playing like a top five quarterback in the sport. Return him back to some of the pass protection that's closer and akin to that. I think the performance will go up with it. We'll see. We'll see. How's it going, Kelly?
Victor. <laughs> Terrence Barbie says they have to extend fan. It's going to be hard to do, I think, Terrence, with where some of the cap is going to be sitting right now as it currently sits. He's played well, though. He has played well. Mick says, shout out to Jamal Adams for lasting the whole game. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Yeah, how about that? Adams making it through a whole game. Good to see. Jimmy says, I don't normally blame Gino. I think he's still a nice quarterback, but it wasn't for those two INTs and going for it in field goal range definitely cost us the game. Samuel says, nobody's saying Gino doesn't have a bad game. We're just saying his poor performance doesn't mean he should be thrown in the trash. Exactly. That's the only thing I'm saying with it. Radius, guys, the defense held the Bengals and Joe Burrow to 17 points in freaking Cincy. They didn't win, but there's some positives, takeaways. That's part of where I'm coming from. I'm encouraged more than anything else. I know it's a loss. I'm not saying that there's a, a win to be had in any kind of loss. It's a loss. But uh, I feel encouraged about where this team is going. I don't think they played their best football yet. Uh, and I think they're going to round into shape as long as the health factor can continue to round into shape. Well, I love the King says, with Gino, he can step up in the pocket with Russ mostly had to roll out of the pocket. That's why it's comparing apples to oranges, IMO. Yeah, I agree. You can't, you can't really play. Both of those two guys had two different styles of game with, with their own pluses and their own minuses, you know? But Russ had minuses and pluses both. It wasn't either or. Wu-Tang says, this wasn't a particularly concerning loss. The O-line was a problem, and I don't think Waldron called his best game. On the other hand, the defense was very good other than in the first quarter. This is where I stand with it as well, Wu-Tang. This is where I find myself sitting as I come off this loss too. It's, um, I don't take it as a concerning loss. I think the Bengals is a good team. And uh, I think the O-line was the main problem. I think Waldron's play calling was a problem. I think Geno Smith's play was a problem. Uh, but I think it was all of that. Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you. He says, Brando, have you considered a hawk's nest only fans for gambling talk and hot tub streams? <laughs> Not as of yet, but I maybe I'm sitting on a gold mine, Garth. It could be. Lost opportunity I got here, man. <laughs> There's definitely not one of those channels on there, I'll tell you that. I'd I'd have my own little niche, Garth. My own little tiny itty bitty niche. Hot tub stream. No hot tub stream. Uh, and uh, yeah, Iron, there were some times Gina's holding the ball a little long. 
Utani says the Geno haters will find an excuse. You're not going to have a good game as a pocket passer when you constantly have dudes in your face. Agreed. Felt like a little bit of the offensive line stuff kind of was more laid to bear than we've had in the past few weeks with all the backups in there today. Momo says facts. Everyone get ready for Geno. You tell him, Momo. New Blacksboro really didn't play well today. Nope. He did not. Connor's the first INT could have been avoided by running with Charbonnet, but instead they run a sprint option, have a penalty, get backed up, and Gino feels like he has to push the ball up the field. Yeah. Definitely sloppy in there and the weird play calling. Red A says Gino has used uh, has used to playing perfect. He looks off one time against a good team and everybody loses their S. I, I agree, man. I don't, I, the, the jumping off so quick thing. I get it if you want to arrive at the end of the year and make a full determination at the end of the season of where Gino is at that point. We've got to look, but let, let's give it a full year here. Let's give him a little bit of room for error to have a game or two where he's not necessarily lighting the world on fire. It's also like, as I try to try to build in the patience for the folks that I don't think are hearing it on the Gino, anti-Gino camp of this, that the line makes a difference. And I've been consistent about this for a couple of years and pointing to teams drafting rookie quarterbacks and seeing those rookie quarterbacks fail versus other teams drafting rookie quarterbacks who go out there and succeed. And the line, we, we don't think about the line in determining as much success for these quarterbacks as we really should. And when you don't have it, it puts you behind the eight ball, offensively speaking. And that's every, not just our offense, any offense, I would say. Walter says, Gino was not today. He was overthrowing his receivers, leaving them exposed. He needed to be lifted. That's why you have relief pitchers. Well, you, Drew Locke was injured today, Walter, so the relief pitcher probably wasn't going to be any better you could go to. Kelly B was the last sack on Bradford. I think so, yes. As I remember that, Kelly, I do believe that that was who, who took that one. I think he got pretty beat pretty, pretty quick. CJ, Brandon, how about Trey Brown pick? Awesome body control. Kid is making it hard for us to keep him off the field. Mike Jackson might have just been pushed to the best depth cornerback in the league. Yeah, I think it uh, indeed is where he's sitting. And I think where the coaches are kind of, that's where they landed, I think, at the end of training camp and how they viewed uh, how he was playing and what he was getting done. And Trey's just been solid for us out there. Two great plays in this game. The interception, obviously, where you know it's a little underthrown by Burrow and he's able to make the pick. And then maybe even a better play than that was the one at the end there on third down where you've got a guy in T. Higgins that's a good five inches, four or five inches taller than him. Burrow throws a trust throw over the top. Higgins has caught those passes so often, so many times. Burrow able to get his hand in there, or not Burrow, but uh, Brown able to get his hand in there and dislodge the ball. Very impressive. Yeah, I think Wicked Garden, you can have all the playmakers on the outside in the, in the, in the sport. And I think that if you don't have the offensive line that's holding up up front and, and you have, you're putting quarterbacks under duress a tremendous amount of the time, it's very hard to find office, offensive success. The other thing is you're pointing to K-9 or Charbonnet. Wicked Garden, you're not running the ball tremendously well necessarily. Look at how they've done over the few games here in running the ball. So you've, you've got an offensive line that's going to struggle with at minimum three guys out on some games, four guys out on some guys, five games out or changing position. Then you have a ground game. That's not terribly consistent on top of that. You average 3.5 yards per carry today. And then it becomes the offense has to carry the day. The passing attack has to, has to carry the day. While at the same time, the opposition's defense now knows you can't run the ball. They get to pin their ears back and attack, 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 attack. 
It's hard for offenses to find continued success over the course of a football game when that's what you're going to have to deal with as your reality. Uh, Sacred Cacti, we went for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal earlier. That's three points. Then threw an INT in the red zone. That's six points. Those decisions cost us the game. We would have only needed a field goal at the end. Uh, indeed, um, that uh, definitely definitely is a place where normally I think Coach Carroll does take the points. I think he was kind of leaning into what recent history has been with the defense where they haven't necessarily been able to make in those moments a lead stick. And so he, he was less getting out of the mentality, I think, uh, of trusting into the defense where maybe this was a place that he should have. Uh, Jao Mark says, I'm more pissed with Waldron's terrible play calling after that first drive. I, I'm way more annoyed by that than what I have from Gino. I, I think Waldron just didn't do a lot of, he had two weeks to prepare for this game, and I don't know that I could tell that by his play calling. Uh, Wu-Tang Financial, thank you for the $10 donation. I do appreciate that. This is not the most discouraging loss. O-line was a problem. Not Waldron's best game. But the defensive strides forward are great to see. We can get right against the cards next week. Gino needs a clean pocket. Well, first off, thank you for the big $10 donation. I do appreciate that. Uh, big dono drop. And uh, the, the words that you use on your, uh, on your donation are the same ones that I'm, I'm trying to kind of sell to the folks out here in the chat which is that it's not to me as nowhere near as a discouraging loss as that Rams game. This is to me a lot more to come off of to build upon. And, and we can really, as you say, take a lot of uh, a lot of enjoyment where the defense is at and where it seems to be going. And to have this kind of performance against this Bengal led team and Burrow led team offensively, so explosive to hold them to 17 points at home, 10 AM game after you just did what you did to the giants last week. I, the defense is starting to round into shape and it's coming as they round into full health. And now maybe we can see the same thing from the offense as it starts to round a little bit more fuller to closer, full to full, closer to full, if I can speak right, to, to full health. Maybe we start to see their performance increase as well with that. That's my bold prediction. That's my attempt to provide some, uh, not just empty blind optimism, but true op optimism that I feel in my heart on this team. Um, and that's where I think I see this going. But uh, in all you say, Wu-Tang, I'm in, uh, in full agreement. It was definitely not Waldron's best game. The offensive line was really struggling. Uh, being down three-fifths, you felt it today. You felt the backups across the board today. You really did. And uh, hopefully this team can get right, get Lucas back into the fold, get a little bit healthier there with the guards, maybe move Haynes back to right guard. Um, and uh, we'll be better for it. We'll be more productive for it, more explosive for it. Thank you, though, that $10 donation. Jerk of Sacred Cacti, I haven't heard Derek Hall's name all year. He's definitely been quiet so far. He's been quiet. He's heavily rotated because you got four edges. So there's not a lot of snaps to be had, I think, there for the rookie. He's got to make the most with what he gets. And he's trying to find his way. CJ says, I think we need to look try to look towards Parkinson's big frame in the red zone more. I'd agree with that. Yeah, that's fair. One second here, folks. Be right back.
fleece. Uh, Draymond Jones finally had a sack. He did have finally have a sack. Draymond's starting to maybe come, come a little bit alive. A lot of guys starting to come up on this defense a bit. Mick says we usually play a little bit. We usually play a little bad after a bye week. Hopefully, we'll come back. And I'm excited about how we look on the defensive side of the ball. Me too. Me too. Ghost, hey Brandon, how would you? Uh, what would you? What do you make of Reek's performance? He didn't make any plays on the ball. Yeah, I think he started out this game rough. He gave up some completions. Uh, you potentially, I think, might be able to put a couple of uh, the touchdown receptions on him in this game from the Bengals, uh, potentially here. So um, that's not maybe his best game. And I don't think he's looked at his best yet so far this season. There's definitely some room for improvement from him. But I, I don't think he, he got better as the game went along. There were some really good moments. He had one where he threw off a play where Burrow was trying to go to the nine route of on Jamar Chase, and he got a really great press and, and just completely disrupted the whole timing of the route. He says, Mo Bobo, please. Go, should Jane be on the hot seat? No. No. I think he'll be fine, Ghost, once we get back some offensive linemen. Could be wrong on that, but I think we're going to be a lot more improved at that point. Because as people forget that Geno was mediocre the last eight games of last season, people forget that Geno has a career backup. It's okay to call a spade a spade. Yeah, it's 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 where we try to get to in the sports arguments, Wicked. It's where I I I really just push back against this in general at every turn that I can. Because there's a drive in fans to try to find the simplistic reason. Everything's derived down to this one reason as this is something that happens. Um, as I said, the first 12 games of the year last year, Gino played good to great. Context matters and nothing happens in a vacuum cleaner. Gino having the performance he did through the back half of that schedule is explainable for the reasons I just mentioned above to you, going through those reasons and stuff. The stuff that's happening over the, the back half of that schedule from week 13 onward up through this week has been very consistent, at least as far as the offensive line is concerned. We have not been able to keep our offensive line anywhere close to health from week 13 of last year up through now. Anywhere close to full health. That's been an impediment. That's going to impact any offense in the National Football League. Go look, for instance, Wicked Garden, as I'm asking for you to give examples and not just kind of your feeling on it, as we try to give examples and backing to what we say on this. Look at Tampa Bay last year, okay? Tampa Bay the previous year, they, they looked great. Super Bowl City come back last year with Tom, Tom, Tompa Tom, right? And what happens to them? Ryan Jensen goes down. Ali Marpet, their, their fine right guard, ends up retiring. Tristan Wirfs, their right tackle, goes down for the season very early on. Throughout the whole year, Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Mr. Tom Brady, Mr. Goat, best all time, Mike Evans on the outside. They're down three-fifths of their starting offensive line. Was that Tampa Bay offense good last year? Did, did, did the man, the myth, the legend, the flying cape guy himself, did he carry the day through? Or did he struggle when he didn't have his offensive line in place? And, and it's a part I'm trying to get over. I don't think I'm, I'll make much headway here, but it is the part I'm trying to get through to because this is a, a place I've been consistent with. The quarterback position and the success of the quarterback position is heavily, heavily built upon how the offensive line is playing. Are they creating holes in the run game? Are they pass protecting? Are they handling blitz as well? All three of those things from week 13 onward up until this last game have not been particularly good for your Seattle Seahawks team. And that is going to impact Geno's performance.
Uh, Brandon Moody, loved our mentality overall. What's lacking is apparent O-line red zone. What strong still is third and what strong still is and third downs improved as promised. I'm not happy, but I didn't, I'm not left confused like in the past. Go Hawks. <laughs> Wonderful way of putting it, Brandon. Wonderful way of putting it. I agree with you. Sean says, man, the internet is ripping Gino a new one. Not totally fair. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I dig you, Hawk says, I want to see the stats on Gino's pressure rate this year. Then I'm willing to listen to all the criticism. There we go. Gonna be a high, high ass pressure rate. Garth, thank you for the $5 donation and all your donations tonight, Garth. I do appreciate it. Says, is it me or was Lockett wide open in the corner of the end zone when Gino forced DK the ball on third and eight in the last minute? I didn't have a chance to see myself on that one, so I'm not sure, brother. I can't, can't say for sure. I'll definitely go back and try to maybe put a video up this week of looking back at this game and some of these moments where guys were wide open and if Gino just missed it on the play, wasn't looking the right place, or if it was the pressure that got to him. I'll try to do a little bit of a focus on that with the all 22 shots this week, Garth. I think that'd be a good idea for a video to try to kind of take a look at what exactly might have gone wrong in the secondary in this particular game as far as Gino was concerned. Or if he was just maybe missing wide open guys. We'll let the, let the tail of the tape tell the story, as they say with that one. But uh, thank you for the $5 donation. He definitely had a couple of throws in this game that we're, we're certain that he missed. But I'm gonna, I'll do a bit of a deeper dive um, with it. Lethal Lance says, I just joined, but I want to say Gino is not him. And no, reason for, no reason for him to perform that way with the weapons he has at offense. And with that defensive performance, does Gino need pro bowlers at every position? Um, I would hope I would hope not. Um, I, I think he is getting impacted by the fact you had a pretty good team across from you playing you um, and that you're down a lot of your offensive line. But uh, as we're seeing with a couple of the opinions that are on here and they're popping up, there's a good contingent of folks that feel this way and are out on Gino and just don't, do not want him on the team anymore and are done with him. I'm, I'm not there myself, Lethal Lance. I'm not even in the vicinity of that. So I can't get there, but I, can, I will acknowledge there's people that feel that way. Sammy Sean Lee says, how about Moffey with another sack? Dude's taking a step forward in a sophomore year. Indeed he is, looking good. Your next is, why are we all still bitter? We're still a year away. I don't know, there's some anger tonight. Seems like there's more anger today after this game than there was after the Rams game, which is weird. Sean, was uh, Daryl Taylor out there much? Didn't see him. They had him for some snaps out there a little bit. I don't know if he did a lot. I don't have him registered on the stat column at all. He's doing anything, so. Matthew says, looking back, I actually think Lockett and JSN got open a few times in the red zone. Gino was 100% off, but he can get right. Freaking out about him doesn't help. Agreed. Agreed. 
Goes is 100% agree on the Geno take. He has his worst game today, but had zero help from his offensive line and no help from his coach and wide receivers. Well said, Ghost. Glad we do agree. She just says, I like how Lockett immediately picked up a huge long gain after uh, DK's umpteenth bonehead penalty. DK, love you, buddy, but that takes some notes. I think he was blocking okay there, CJ. I think they're just, they're trying to target him a little bit. Uh, Phoebe Mercy asked, the game happened a while ago. I was pissed for 10 minutes and got over it. What's with all the hate? Still, I, it's, this is a loss that's brought out a lot of anger. So I'm, I'm trying to say this as I can, but I don't think I'm making much headway here. Um, and Bower Code, I do think we can beat the Cowboys and Eagles as well. It'll be tough games, but I think we can beat them. Sean Lee is on positive. No, we came out of this game with no injuries, which we should only keep getting healthier, especially with maybe I think we're getting Lucas back on deck here. And boy, Coran had a real tough game. Uh, Adrian X, I don't understand why we don't use Fant. Uh, I feel like he's being misused like we did with Jimmy Graham. He's, he's been a factor in some of the games this year. I mean, certainly the Giants game, Lions game, uh, he was in there. Uh, you had four catches on five targets today for 41 yards. Um, I mean, the, the tough part seems to come down here is there's so many people wanting so many targets. You know, we got to get DK more. We got to get Jackson Sis more. We got to get Jake Bobo some more targets. We got to get Fancy. It's just kind of so many balls to go around there a little bit. Um, but I mean, I think we're kind of using him as, as sort of intended there. I mean, he, I don't think he was ever a Jimmy Graham-like presence, Adrian X. I mean, he's a he's been a solid, productive tight end in this league, but he's kind of a, he'll get you six, 700 yards a season kind of guy, you know, from the tight end spot. He'll be efficient with his targets. Uh, ABC and reports that JSN was open a lot. Take a peek at the All-22. I will indeed. Uh, that will be one of my my deals I've done. I've been streaming all day, so I, I haven't had a chance to look at any of the footage. Nas, can we please talk about Jake Curran? I get he's a backup, but by opinion, you could easily make the case that we were an Abraham Lucas away from winning the game. I do believe that that's certainly a case you can make, Nas. I think Curran probably had one of his worst games as a pro out there. I think he got his butt whipped quite a bit. And I think he ended up drawing a lot of extra help there to his side with our pass pro and removing guys out of uh, running routes in order to better accommodate his struggles out there. But uh, yeah, I, I think he got overwhelmed. Certainly so. Sander Champion says it's weird how one-dimensional Geno haters come to the comments with, like everywhere too. Yeah, I, I, I don't, when you, especially as you're trying to unpack it and get into a little bit of bitter death, it does come down to, I think, what people are trying to do in their intention on these kind of debates at times is, I got somebody I disagree with in a chat or a channel or whatever, let me just try to dunk on them. As opposed to, wow, you know, you have an interesting perspective you come from, I'm trying to come from my interesting perspective, let me better understand your perspective. 
But the more you kind of pick at the edges of this a little bit on the stance of the genome and stuff and try to get to the depths of it, we keep getting drawn back to the shallow waters. And I'd like to get more to the depth, um, which would be to find the nuance in Gino's play, which is to be to say, okay, this is who he is. This is where we can regulate him. But it's either got to be great or got to be trash. And there's, there's not really an in-between for it. Charlie Beban, thank you for subscribing to the channel. I do appreciate it. Burma2883, look, we take care of business versus the cards in a scrappy but get right game. Then Lucas and Lewis will be ready to roll versus the Browns and we will still show the Niners how to beat them. I love it. I love the positivity, Burma, and I love that as a, a, the pathway here as we move forward. Let's go get right with this Cardinals team this week. Get ourselves to a five and, five and, uh, sorry, four and, Two state, yes, what I should say. Get ourselves to a four and two state. Get this back on the rails. Three more Seahawks. Wait, where was Jason Peters? Yes, he's still not ready to go. This would have been a game at one point you might have looked to maybe call upon him with how much Kerhan was struggling, but uh, decided not to do it. Yes, he's not ready. Sean, would Gino, Gino, would Gino, we still make the uh, playoffs this year? Do we really think Locke will get us there? Or who else we got? I don't think Locke takes us any further than Gino. Yeah, Wicked Garden, I think a lot of the points that you look at with him sitting in the pocket there were times where you were kind of max protecting. And this is, again, where Wicked Garden, like I said, I'm going to do a video this week. We'll have a look at the All-22. The All-22 will tell the tale. So we're guessing right now. But once we actually see the All-22, we'll know it. And I would, I would register to guess that there's a lot of times you're trying to build in the help for this offensive line. You're, you're keeping a back end. You're keeping a tight end. And that's less guys out there running routes. And then that does mean that if the Bengals then drop into a place where they're dropping more guys into coverage, as happened a lot of times, you're going to have a very small amount of windows opened up there to make a throw. But this is the part where I don't like to guess until I can see the tape for sure to make that determination. But that would be, that would be my guess if I was forced to guess. CJ, I, no, I don't think that Stone Forsyth would have held up better at right tackle. I mean, may, maybe in pass pro, but you certainly wouldn't have done anything in the ground with him out there right tackle. He's not getting any push on, on that side of things. Cat's deciding to attack the other cat. Ron Duffney, how you doing? Good to see you in the chat. Connors is according to Next Generation Stats. Sam Hubbard led the Bengals with pressures with nine, and eight of those were against Kerhan. So yeah, I would agree. Letting a guy like Hubbard get eight pressures is not good. No, it's not. And a lot of those were quick pressures too. We do get back Eskridge, whatever that's worth. Sean Lee seems like Kerhan's better when he has tight end help. Yeah. But it's hard to always have to dedicate that to giving him that. 
over a course of a game. Byron Peace is a great question. Should Eskridge make the roster? I think he makes the roster because you've had times that you've held, you've had the, uh, you've had the, the, what is it? We got a crew, uh, Lockett, J, DK, Bobo, GSN. Um, so yeah, you're going to have the fifth receiver. Um, so he'll, he'll still be on the, he'll be on the roster. He'll be active. We'll see what role the team tries to kind of carve out for him. But yeah, the team seems intent, Byron, of having him on the roster. Sanchez, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, I've never been a member of the Geno fan club, but that game made me cancel my subscription. <laughs> thank you for the donation, Sanchez. I do appreciate that for all your donos tonight. And uh, you do not seem to be alone on uh on that one there seems to be a couple folks that feel that very same way so indeed indeed oh and uh i think we will start kind of putting a little bit of a button here on the post game stream here today so uh Maybe getting the last couple questions, comments, concerns, trials, tribulations, and all that good stuff as we start to maybe wind this down just a little bit. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you, man. You've another one donating like five, six times a day over the course of a couple streams. I really thank you for that. That is really kind of you, man, for all of your support to the channel. I do really appreciate it. Says one cool thing in this game is that Jamar Chase didn't go pinball on us, and he's a top three wideout in this league. The Hawk D was there today. I don't think that that's one of the trouble spots. I think here, Garth, and talking so much about Geno and the offense is that we're not talking enough about this defense and the performance they put out there. And this is a performance much off of like last week that I think you get to build upon into the future. And that we had wondered, once you get Witherspoon back, once you got Jamal's back, you know, does the defense start to tighten things down? Do you start to play a little bit more pressure-based? Do you start to start ease off those soft zones that you've run so often over the past couple of years? And the answer has been, at least through the first two games, a resounding yes. Yes, we're going to do that the second we get Jamal back in there. You did against the Giants last week. This week, it wasn't as much the pure volume of pressures that you were sending up there, Burrow, but it was that you were varying things up all the time and varying the looks that Burrow was looking at all the time. And he was not clear and he was not comfortable as you entered that second half with some of those looks you were showing him. Great job by Clint Hurt to be so varied and to be willing to kind of just try to, you're not trying to just go to one trick, do some different things, every different little bit of snap, but but willing to really press down on those tight routes, not allowing the Bengals to simply just get you death by a thousand cuts, but actually, no, Burrow, make, make, hit me deep. Show me that you can hit me deep on the nine route with my guys in coverage. I'm going to trust my guys in coverage on that nine route, even against your really tough receivers. And what happened in doing that? You had overthrows. You had the interception to Trey Brown, which was on a nine route. Now, your guys held up in coverage there one-on-one when you did want to bring a little bit more, not just pressure, but more of those bodies down in there near the box to cause things to, to be uh, uncomfortable then for the opposition. And uh, I think that this defense is going to be able to carry this forward. I'm not saying they're a top five unit now, but if we looked at this defense and starting out the year going, okay, your, 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 your bench, base, benchmark baseline here from last season is you're like the 28th, 29th best defense in the NFL. We got to get better. And if the hope is to get them into more middle of the road, 
slash maybe even just a, a smidge higher than that when it's all said and done. They're certainly showing you now, Garth, that they're a little bit on that pathway to, you know, maybe starting to get get closer to that spot. This is a legitimate performance against a really good offense with T. Higgins back in the flux here from the Bengals' standpoint. They had all their horses. And like you say, you didn't let Jamar Chase, who I do believe is probably a top, I think probably top two wide out in this sport, my opinion. And uh, you were able, absent the first start of that game, to basically take him out as the game wore on. And uh, great job on the defense here, man, and the performance, Garth, for them to never give an inch. They had no room for error on that one field goal attempt that the Bengals got the interception and they were in Seahawks range already. No room for error. Had to get it done on that play. Did it. Came back then where if they got one first down, your offense wasn't going to get another chance. You're going to be facing the victory formation. Still, they got the ball back to their offense once again. It was, uh, I think it's where a lot of the frustration right now is on the offense and whatnot because it's really like, man, the defense finally did its part. They finally you know, brought, brought to stage the kind of performance we were hoping that they could, and now the offense sinks. And it's, uh, it's a bit frustrating, I think, for fans as they watch that. But um, I think you're building on this performance. You're building on this recent performance. This is how you're playing, and that this is leading somewhere. And it's going to be leading to, I think, a team playing its best ball as we get down the stretch of the schedule. Does that allow us to get into a contending state this year? I don't know, but I still do believe we're a playoff team minimum. A playoff team minimum was still a little bit more upside above that. Garth, thank you for that donation. I really do appreciate it. And all of your donors and support tonight, man. Hope you know what I, I like it. Hope your bet went okay. If I didn't lead you astray on that one. Century Seahawk says, hope you enjoyed your Sunday regardless of the outcome of today's game. Always glad to hear everyone's opinion on the games. Hey, thank you, Century Seahawk. Fist tap back to you, man, and appreciate you watching. And uh, I did have a fun game. I, I, it's a tough game to lose that way, and it's brutal with the offense not able to go. But I did think it was a, um, a tight, tough game and a, a fun game to watch from my perspective of things. So I, I did enjoy the game. Sucks we came up just a little bit short, but uh, we'll, get this, we'll get this going. Wicked says, I don't think getting Lucas back solves Gino. Well, we will, we'll see, Wicked Garden. And I know you'll be here to remind me if I'm wrong on this. And I hope if I'm right, you'll be in here to, to, to give me the kudos for being right about this. Um, I don't make the prediction lightly. I do look very closely, and I watched a lot of the game tape over this offseason, a lot of the All-22 tape over the last offseason. And there's a stark difference between the first 12 games of last year to the back of the schedule through now and the performance level of this offensive line. Not merely in pass protection, but also, and this is a very important part, in their ability to open up any holes in the run game. It's not been there since week 13 consistently. If you look at how our backs are getting it done, you look in the way Walker will get the, the carry up in the A-gap, and he's got to always try to balance it outside to go find that five, six, seven-yard run. You're creating no holes in the ground game. These things go together to me. And Lucas is going to help that out to that side, I believe. He's also really good in pass protection. And you get that combination back. I think the inside's going to settle down to where it needs to be. And now we're going to be fine. But like I said, if I'm wrong, you're free to point out to me and I'll eat my crow at that time if I'm off on this. But uh, I feel strongly it will go this way. Matthew says, again, we don't need to solve Geno. We need to protect our cheap quarterback and give him time. Amen, brother. Amen. That is the solution. Let's get better cumulatively as an offense, not just merely get better at the quarterback position. Aaron Prakash, thank you for subscribing to the channel, Aaron. Wish, appreciate you jumping aboard the Hawks Nest. Now says maybe not just Lucas, but maybe not just Lucas, but Lewis. Cross getting better off injury, and also Lucas should fix Geno. You need solid tackle play if you want to throw the balls deep. Well said, Nas. 
And yeah, I think that's going to help to get Lewis back. I, I'm, I feel confident enough to say just Lucas with Cross back in the fold will make a big difference. But certainly once you get back into Damian Lewis, um, ideally not having to play uh, Bradford here in his rookie year as raw as he is, that would be nice. Because I, I think the plan was not necessarily to have Bradford start this year. They would have liked to have ideally given him kind of a red shirt year to uh, improve his technique. Defense was amazing after the first two drives in the last game. It just sucks the offense had to ruin all the praise for the D today. <laughs> they ruined all the praise for the D. Um, Nas, that's why I can't understand some of the hate towards Gino. Uh, I won't say this wasn't a bad game, but so far he's kind of made magic with makeshift O-line. I'm not going to fault him for this. Nor am I, Nas. And that's a battle that I've been kind of waging on this stream for three and a half hours. And I don't know if I've made a lot of headway uh, with the folks that feel as strongly in that camp as they do. Um, I, it's, it does seem to be a little bit of those out there that have a viewpoint of Gino. And the thing that they like to say last year is, and they told me ad nauseum last year, is he is what he is. And he went out and had the comeback player of the year a little bit. And so that sort of silenced people down. But then they go, nope, nope, see, we told you. He's still, now this year, see, he's showing you he is what he is. Um, I disagree with it, but it is, a, as I say, a contingent of folks out there that exist that do believe and think this way on it. It's not just a one-number guy or a single guy on an island. It's, I've seen, you know, a good number of them come through um, just on this stream alone with it, you know. Got to acknowledge there's a good, good set of people that feel that way, even if we don't. Byron P., thank you for reminding me that. Please do hit that like button for me, please. It does help this channel out exponentially. John Doe, you said earlier in a video, Russell wasn't a top five quarterback in 2013, but I don't know, he's probably fifth. He had 26 passes, 19 interceptions, over 500 rushing yards. Brady, Breeze, Manning's, Rodgers, only better quarterbacks. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I think Robert Griffin won the rookie of the year over him, John, if I'm not mistaken. Um... Go back and take a look. Do, 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 do. 13. Okay, so, uh, so Russell Wilson throws for the 16th amount of yards um, in 2013. I, I suppose you can add the 500 yards to his total if you wanted to on t at that point. That still puts him at only about 11th in passing yards on the season. So he's, bought it, he's below the top 10 in yards passing. Um, touchdowns thrown. Russell's is ninth. So not top five in touchdowns thrown that year either. How about... QBR. Let's look at that. So Russell gets up to eighth in QBR, but still no top five stat. And I guess rating would be the one we maybe can find him in. It's not coming up with my rating thing like I want here. I do believe he was pro. What is going on? Oh, let me bring up the rating deal. Um, but he wasn't in touchdowns, wasn't in yards, uh, wasn't in QBR, a top five. I mean, if we're posting him, John, at that point in top five because of his 
because of his passer rating. Um, or maybe you're saying that you would just take, there, were, there wouldn't be five other quarterbacks you would take at that point in the sport, which is maybe what you're saying. Um, certainly Manning, Rivers was better than him at that point. Rodgers was better. Breeze was better. I would argue Carson Palmer that year probably was better at the quarterback position. He didn't have as much to work with. Tony Romo was probably better that year. Ben Roethlisberger was better that year. I, I, I got to disagree. I don't, I don't think Russell was at a top five quarterback state that year. They could maybe talk me into top 10, but. Um, I would, I, those guys I just named, John. I just named a variety of those guys. And all of those guys, I can probably find some top five stats from them. Unlike with Russell on this, you can't find a stat past the passer rating, which is one of the more minimized ratings you're going to find out there for quarterbacks, right? It's one of the least ones you want to lean on to as far as for, you know, um, the value of the quarterback. Here's another one with that as well. You know, he had some of the least amount of passing attempts you're going to find in the sport because you, you ran the ball so much. So not asked to be at anywhere near the volumic, volumic-like level that you would get from Romo's or Roethlisberger's who were expected to court, carry their teams in that fashion. John, yeah, the passer rating is maybe a top five, but none of the other stats. And passer rating is not one that typically is one we use to measure a quarterback's performance. If I go look at Russell Wilson's passer rating this year, it's pretty good, right? But anybody that's watched Russell Wilson on the football field this year would not say Russell Wilson's played well. So it's, that's where the passer rating is a tough one to go on. It can be a stat that gets a little bit, it can be a stat that doesn't guide you in the right direction. But when you look at the fact his passing attempts were minimized on that team, didn't have a lot of yards, didn't have a lot of passing touchdowns. Uh, even if I add his ground yardage that he got on top of his passing yardage, he's still at about only 3,800 total for the year. There's multiple quarterbacks that year that threw for well over 4,000 yards. I, I don't think we can take quarterback performance down to just one single stat, do you? And say that this, is, this then derives how valuable he is or isn't. New Blacks, I'll back off a bit on Geno as I was pressing. It was all him when it's definitely a combination of Geno, the backup offensive line, and Waldron's confusing play calling and formations. I'm glad to, glad to hear New Blacks. And again, it's not to say Geno doesn't have to take his big bite of this pie of Blaine. He does. Serve him up a, a couple slices for sure. But I, I do think it is, it does all that a bit. Addicted, Brandon, hope you have a tall, cool one in the fridge ready when the chat is done. Great show. Thanks for the session. Go Hawks. Uh, I got to... I got to do the post-game video and get that put out for you guys on this one, but I'll be doing, I'll, I'll be chilling. We all good. Matthew, yeah, people make up their minds, ignore any evidence to the contrary and latch on to what confirms it. One bad Geno game means Geno is worthless for them. Silly. Yeah, I mean, they're trying, there was a little bit of a thinking of he's played bad multiple guy games, not just this one, Matthew. And that's where I'd go, okay, but let's get to the reasons on that. Let's, how did these bad games happen? And, um, I understand we're going to get we're going to get these opinions that'll go in directions where people feel fiercely a way they do, and I do under I, I've learned that in doing this channel. I just got to ride with the waves on that and understanding that a bit and and being open to that. Um, part of what we do too is is have the discussion, and um, I think Geno's played the position really well since he's become a starter, and I don't think that he's always had the opportunity for success put in front of him with what he's kind of had to deal with at times, and um, that's why I got faith in him. 
New more Seahawks, Eli Manning, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, Tony Romo. Yeah, there's quite a few I would have put above. Quite a few. Guard Knight, thank you for the $10 donation. Brando, all your wagering advice has been gold outside of D-Hop in London. A couple more of those. We are, a couple of more of those and we're owed a jacuzzi stream from Brendan's with the finest French champagne and strawberries. <laughs> Thank you for the $10 donation. I probably should after that, man. I, man, that was brutal. And then you get the quarterback going out injured and you got like five targets and one catch. Yeah, that one, that one sucked, Garth. Missed it by 40 yards. <clears throat> I got to stop trusting these bad offenses. That's where I've gone wrong. When I stick with the good offenses that have been productive, I'm fine. But when I go with the bad ones, that's where it starts to, it starts to get a little off kilter for me, Garth. But uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing strange about that. Being brought in a hot tub with French champagne and strawberries. Nope. Totally heteronormal behavior at that point. <laughs> Thank you, Garth, for the $10 donation, brother. I appreciate you. I appreciate all your donations. And you always make me laugh too, man. Thank you. New Blacks, uh, RG3 and Wilson both had great years in the rookie years for sure. Wilson was never a yardage guy. At least I feel like that. No, I don't think he was either. Um, and that doesn't mean that he couldn't still be a really effective quarterback. But um, I do think it means that you also aren't relying then on that quarterback to carry the day for you. You're having other parts and pieces of your team kind of get it done. Not that he doesn't do his part, but he's doing his part. And I think with Gino, when we look at what he's doing, he's got to do his part. Was today him doing his part? No, it was not. Is there some explanations for that? Yeah. Does he still need to play better even with those explanations? You bet your sweet ass. But that's where we got to come into what the way that this team is, in my opinion, by its designs, is it's trying to, to refit this back to the 2012 type model. And that means it's going to be team-based. It's going to be an offensive line motor. And it's going to be playmakers on the outside. It's going to be a running backs that can get the job done. It's going to be a defense that can hold the line strongly on its other side of the ball. And it's going to be a special teams unit that's going to be grade A. That is the pathway to getting a team into a Super Bowl-ready state of things. Now, are they ready right now? We'll see. It's a young team. It's year two of a rebuild. You've turned just about this whole roster over in two seasons. For them to ascend right now and get to this contender state, it would be a little early, a little premature versus what it would take for normal teams dealing with the youthful exuberance that we do have. But I think it's coming. I think this team's going to round into shape sooner than later. And I don't think that we've seen their best football yet this year. Standard champions is also pretty easy to see how having an all-time defense helped Russ. Exactly. And Marshawn. And the, the highest paid offensive line in the sport when he walked in there. It, it all certainly did help. Connors' Giants beating the Bills would be the perfect cap to a strange final results. Indeed it would. Let's see, where are they at? Bills up 6 nothing here in the second quarter. Or, or the Giants up 6 nothing. Nick, crazy to think we had a 400 yards of offense. We had more time of possession, more first downs. And somehow when watching that game, the offense was not instilling confidence. No, no, it was not. It just didn't, it didn't feel very consistent. And it felt a little bit, the, the call, the play calling was weird. The pass protection wasn't holding up. Gino's decision-making was odd. Just that all felt strange. Matthew says, well, I guess we need to win. To, well, I guess we need to win a Super Bowl. That's all right. Wicked says, we all love to see the Geno from the first half of 2022. To, to those saying it's all the O-line's fault, 
That's completely misguided. He needs to be getting the ball out quickly. He's just not. Part of this is Waldron's fault, his game plan, game playing. Well, we found something we agree on, Wicked Garden, on this stream. And, and that I do agree with you there that Waldron, this is definitely a, a part of this is into Waldron's fault. As part of this is in, into Waldron. Um, I will even give you a little bit in, to, to just try to drop an olive branch your way, right? Because um, we're not trying to dunk on each other. I'll drop you an olive branch the way. Gino's got to be more decisive. He can't take those bad sacks like he has at times. He's got to get rid of the ball. And if it's not to find an open target, to throw it away and have a plan for throwing the ball away at these times when he's going to be under this kind of duress, as opposed to becoming completely surprised by it and not knowing what to do. Um, that part definitely does have to improve. Um, I don't know how you can say the O-line's not got a heavy part of the burden of fault here. When I talk about 2013 through right now, a part of it's been a big part of it's been the offensive line. But when your pass protection doesn't hold up, and I would register to guess that from week 13 onwards through this point right now, our quarterback has been probably under as much duress, as much pressures as any other quarterback in the sport, just about, since week 13 of last year. If that's going to be the case in what you're asking your quarterback to undertake, it's going to be hard to find offensive success. I think that's pretty logical. I think that's pretty reasonable. And I think any quarterback would have to deal with that in that way in the way. I brought up the Brady, the Brady comparison, which is another one that happened to him last year. And that offense first, them having Jensen, Aldi Marpet, and Tristan Wirfs in there, big difference. Nothing else changed on that offense. You still had Godwin. You still had Mike Evans. Still had Gronk, right? Or maybe, yeah, I think they had Gronk at that point. I can't remember. But it's the lack of the offensive line had Brady under duress through a lot of that year, and he was under pressure, and he just wasn't able to play as good. Was he getting older? Yeah. But he didn't just fall off the cliff of getting old overnight. He didn't have his offensive line. Big part of why he chose Tampa Bay was the offensive line that they would have in place for him to allow him to have success. It doesn't matter whether you're the GOAT or Geno Smith. Got to have your offensive line in place to have success. And if three-fifths of it are out, if four-fifths are out, or five-fifths of it are out, you're not going to have success. And that's pretty much every quarterback in the league. Maybe absent Burrow and Mahomes. But that's, as I've said before on this too, with it, Wicked Garden, that's not, our, that's not the standard we're holding Geno to. That's not what we're needing him to play at. I don't think we need Geno to be Burrow or Mahomes to go win a Super Bowl with the way the team structured this. Kingdom Joe, Brandon, these young 12s are just spoiled. Geno's bad. Uh, just spoiled Geno's bad. They want to see a bad games. Go watch our film with McGuire at quarterback or Rick Meyer at quarterback. I still have nightmares. That's the thing too. Is I watch a lot of the games across just even you can reach back to the history of Hawks where we've had some bad quarterback play and those guys played it horrifically. You want to talk about watching bad, that's bad quarterback play. Watching Wilson with the Jets, that's bad quarterback play. You know, I, I can, there's a couple teams across the league you can watch how they're doing about it and, and how they're playing, and, and it's, it's bad. And Gino is not in that realm. Not in that realm of, uh, that, that, if we're going to use the word bad or, or poor, that's poor over there. Uh, but he's been, I think, far superior to that. The Docs, definitely not Super Bowl ready. Beat the Niners once, win a playoff game, Yes. And we could still get there this year. I think it's a development thing. We got to let the, let, let the year play out. Let these young cats grow a little bit older. Let them get a little more seasoned. A few more games under their belt. And see how it goes. But uh, I think it's a fair to say that this, this is a little bit early of a year to say that this should be contending right now with as young as the roster is. I think it's possible. But it's going to take a bit. It doesn't surprise me if it would just take a little bit of time this year to get going. Addis, Brad, is it true that Abe Lucas might be back next week? He's due. He's definitely comes off the IR. Uh, so we'll have to see how it goes. I think as Phoebe Morsiak says, Pete, I think as indicated, he should be back. 
Uh, Matthew Phillips, we still technically have a shot this year, but not if the offense can't find a consistent way to score in the red zone. Well said. That's right. You can't be this bad at the red zone and expect even as the, if the team comes together in other places, starts to run the ball better, starts to pass protect better, you don't get better in the red zone, you're not going super far. Indeed, Trent. Trent Williams did get uh, injured out there with an ankle perna. <laughs> perna, sorry. He says Brock Purdy turned back into a pumpkin. Matthew, I like some of Waldron's red zone plays, but then they didn't work. Gino being slow, he needed to switch to some some uh, tough runs with tight end help. Yeah. Play calling and Gino's play down there at the red zone left a lot to be desired. Uh, Dick Talks, Daniel Jones, I don't believe is playing. No, Tyrod Taylor is in for the Giants tonight. Tyrod. Uh, Gar, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you for that. He says, Brando, the money line for last Thursday's Broncos at Chiefs game was negative 650 before kickoff, meaning I'd have to bet nearly $700 to win $100. <laughs> F you. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, by the way, that's that's rough. Uh, that's I'm not yeah. That's 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 tough for only a hundred dollars on seven hundred dollar risk. That's I mean I guess I feel good about that bet still, but there comes a point where the line gets too far on on those dogs, Garth, and you got to go. You just got to stay away from those. You know, so what I do with the underdogs. I just try to lock in the ones that are jumping out to me. And like oh yeah, this is that, and that should certainly be that. A little bit harder in those kind of games like that when you got to factor that into, well, you're only going to get this return if you are right. If I'm right, I want to return. I want to get the goods, you know? I want a little like, here's a little $100. No, double my money. Double my money. Uh, thank you though, Garth, for that $500 drop. And I'll have some picks for you here this week. I'll be looking at the new lines this week, see what we can find. Uh, Nick, I'm glad the Niners lost too, man. Addis, I think the offense will get fixed as well. Um, Ricky Beavers, DK had all the tools to be two is E H, but he had to improve his route running. Has to improve his route running. Yeah, he's been pretty solid for us this year, I think, so far. Um, he was open a couple times this game. Gino just didn't get it to him. But um I feel like kind of his, his route running's improved over the last couple of years here. Sensitive thoughts on Tariq Woolen's performance. I think he had a little bit of a down day to start off and he rounded it into shape later on gave up some completions i think we're going to find sensitive that the pff is going to probably end up crediting him with both of the two inter both of the two touchdowns given up in this game are going to probably be on him i think he did get better as though as the game went along um look look better at times for me up in press and getting that chuck up at the line of scrimmage and disrupting the the timing of the route i i was impressed a couple times and seen him do that he looked a little tighter in coverage as the game went along um, it wasn't a bad, bad game. He didn't play, you know, horrible. And he did get better after the first couple of hiccups in there. But um, it was okay. Okay. Uh, Nick says, uh, offense has all the tools, piss poor ex execution, and Gina's worst game yet. Not a game we should have lost. Indeed not. Indeed not. 
I think being down the offensive line, men that you were down, Nick, really came up to bear as much today because you had a defensive line in the Bengals that were able to really go after those backups on this line. And they took, they took advantage. And I think too, Ricky, we got to remember with DK, I mean, he's, he's back again, another on pace here for another thousand yard season here. Um, he's had a thousand yard season every year. He's been here in the league, he's 25 years old. Um, you know, I, if you look at, for instance, Terrell Owens first four years in the league, I think DK is currently outpacing him. So I, I think DK is still on that, on that rise to that spot, you know, I think he's still heading to that area of things. All right. Well, I think we have uh, just about reached here into the end of uh, the stream as we're just about crossing into almost four on hours into here. But I think we've covered this action up, down, left, right, back, forth, and uh, turned around again. I do appreciate the the um, respectful discussion here on the chat and the stream today. These are the toughest times to have these kind of discussions. We sign somebody great. When we make an awesome trade. When we've won a football game, it's very easy for the chat to flow in its positive state and everything to be all good and everything's... Uh, sunshine and roses and wine and cheese. Uh, it's harder to have these kind of discussions today after a loss. And so I do appreciate even on those folks that have the fervent uh, disagreement in the chat, and there's a little bit of back and forth that we can keep things with the gloves above the waist, don't have to take any low blows. Try to just have the discussion and, and pull this apart in a way that we can, you know, potentially even maybe, dare I say, come and find some common ground. Uh, I don't know if we got there today, but I think we did make a good effort of um, trying to, to get there. I do. Um, it's a game that's going to bring out a lot of people that are they're going to be annoyed with Gino, and there's a contingent out there that does, and I get it. You're not alone. There's not a small amount of you. There's a good number of you out there that feel the way you feel on it. Um, I'm not there. I think this offense is going to play better as this offensive line gets healthier, like we saw this defense now starting to play better as it's gotten healthier. It's, it's gotten its dogs back. It's starting to bark, and it's starting to bite. I think the same thing's going to happen here with this offense. We just got to give it a little bit of time to round into shape. It's a young team, the third youngest team in the entire National Football League. With youth will come inconsistency. With youth will come the ups and the downs. If this team went out this year and won a Super Bowl, it would set an NFL record for the youngest roster to win the Super Bowl in NFL history, beating your Seahawks team of 2013. And it's, it's a fairly significantly more younger team than that team of 2013. So I know patience is not always the thing that people want to hear about or that you're, I'm, I'm throwing you positivity for the future and I, I can't know for sure. I can't know for sure, but I do feel strongly that this is actually a game I come out away from more encouraged than discouraged. Where I look at this defense and say, oh, that performance with the Giants is something that's going to carry forward. Where maybe you're not going to be as dominant as you've been the last two weeks, but you're going to be a lot closer and akin to that moving on through the rest of this season than you had been in what you were defensively for the first couple of weeks. And that didn't just occur with the light switch or by accident. It occurred with Witherspoon getting fully acclimated, with Tariq Woolen back in the lineup, with Jamal Adams back in and healthy, with your defensive line rolling. <laughs> so I think there's going to be a continued measure of success with that defense going forward. We know what the special teams unit is. That's a top three performing unit. That comes with the rest of the group. I know not a lot of folks out there necessarily going to hold that in high esteem, but that's another valuable part that can help this team. You stop the run in every single one of these games, whether you've given up a lot of pass yards or not. Every single one of these games, you stop the run. Something else to hang your hat on. And then we look at the offense being down three-fifths, four-fifths, five-fifths of the offensive line throughout the course of all of these games, stave, save the first two quarters of the first game of the season, in which I don't believe you had a single punt when you did have both of your two starting tackles out there at that point to start off the year. So the, the line will round back into shape, in my opinion. It will get better. Does, does Waldron got to get better with his play calling? Yeah, you better believe it. 
Does Geno Smith got to play way better, way more decisive, way less mistakes, get better down in the red zone? Oh, yeah, he does. Team's got to get better and more committed to running the ball and run the ball better. I think that comes, though, with having the linemen in there. They're actually the starters to roll this up. I think this is going to come down the line. But I do think it's going to take time for this to round into shape this year a little bit and for us to find the identity of this team and where their final form is at, where they're at their strongest. I don't think that that's right now. I don't think that that's happened, let's say, in Detroit in week two. I think that's coming down the line, down the line. So I'm only preaching patience because I believe it here, and I really do think this team's got it in them to make it happen in that way. Samuel Freeman, thank you for finishing us off beautifully in this chat. I want to thank you for all your donations tonight. You've been wonderful. Garth Knight, you as well. Absolutely amazing. Sanchez, multiple donos over as well from you too. Uh, Long live the King, Ocean Hills Detailing, um, Adrian X, Nicholas Newton, Elliot, uh, Chase Stern, um, Devo, Martzel. Thank you guys, all of you, for all of the donos throughout the course of this stream and the stream earlier today as the play-by-play. He says, thank you for all the content. Go Hawks. Well, go Hawks, Samuel. I appreciate all of the discussion, man. And uh, I love what I do here. I love you guys giving me this opportunity to do what I do. And uh, even when we have tough days like this, still love doing it. This is uh, my passion. I love this team. And I think this team is going in the right direction. Some are a little dissuaded today, but uh, man, I'm telling you, I bet a lot of times I've looked at this team and said, they're not going the right direction. This is broke and they're not fixing it. The team has taken multiple steps over from things that have been issues going back a couple of years to find fixes, find corrections. And those are going to bear out. We're going to get the returns of that. I truly do believe that. We just got to give it the time for it to come into shape. And let's not forget last point on this. That's a good Bengals team you played today. I think they're going to end up being one of the three or two best teams in all of the AFC when this season is fully finished out. That's where I think they're going to land. And this loss is not going to, I think, feel quite so bad when that is the case. Uh, Nick, I hope DK retires as a Seahawk too. I like his attitude in this soft league. I think that's a good way to put it, man. I got no problems with how DK plays the game. I just don't. I love it. Berno, 100% agree, Brando. It's a makeshift line that we still have a winning record with. That's right. Three and two. Not having your starting unit absent the first two quarters of the game. And not just not having your starting unit. Being down a minimum of three, four, five-fifths of your line. And I posed the question. Nobody, I, you guys noticed I posed this question two hours ago and I did it multiple times over. Folks were telling me, no, Gino's got all those playmakers on the outside. He's got to cook it up. He's got the expectation level is that he's got to make that happen with those guys on the outside. And, I, and then I posed, I posed this question in my chat. I said, chat, for those that are on this, Gino should have just been out there lighting the world on fire and should have been just throwing dimes in the red zone and putting up points. Give me one quarterback in the last three years who went on the road to play a team that was going to be top three in its conference with three-fifths of his offensive line out and went out and was able to be productive offensively. And I, you better believe there were plenty of people out there doing a lot of Google searches the second I did that. People love to rub my nose in, the, rub my nose in it when I'm wrong with it. Nobody came back with that. And, and I think that's representatory of the fact that no quarterback's done that. It, and that's because any quarterback faced with that kind of situation is going to find themselves probably not being very productive offensively and most likely probably losing the game if they're going up against that kind of team that was on the opposite side of us. It's not just how we perform, it's also what we're dealing against and how good that team is across from us. And there's a reason many of us looked at this game against the Bengals this offseason and we looked at the schedule when it was released 10 a.m. on the road and went, that's going to be a tough game to get. I hope we can play them tough. I hope we can come out with the win on it, but that, that, that's a legit Bengal team. That's legit one of the better teams in the National Football Conference over the last two years. And I believe they will remain so into this season. Sensitive says, looking at the defensive performance today, will we ever match or at least have the dominance of the Legion of Boom again? No, 
The Legion of Boom is a one-off defense sensitive. And the thing you got to think about with this is that football's been around for 100 years, whatever it's been, you know, and 100 years, like, you know, 75, 80 years, whatever. And you've had pretty much five defenses that are looked upon as being historically separate from everybody else. You've got the Steelers of the late 70s defense. You got the Bears in 85. You got the Ravens in the early 2000s. You got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the early 2000s. And you have the Legion of Boom. That is five defenses through all of those years of the NFL. It's hard enough to just get one historic defense. To think that you're going to strike on it with twice and get a second one rolling through is not likely um, to happen. But we don't need that necessarily either. We just need to put together a really good overall total team. And the defense with that sensitive, I would say. Rugg says, Arik won a lot of reps against Chase, especially in the second half. Despite this being arguably his worst career game, he showed a lot of encouraging stuff still. PFF was going to kill him with the grade, though. Perfectly put, Rugg. I agree with you on that, too. I, I don't think Rick played a bad game, as the PFF stats will probably indicate. And he definitely got better as the game went along. I dig Docs run from Charbonnet in the red zone next week. And that will be a nice improvement, I think. But K-9 does have a lot of touchdowns. Tough one. I think we got to try to use Charbonnet down there a little bit more. That's my feeling on it too. Got to hammer it in there just a little bit. Just try him out a little bit. Can't hurt to just try it out. Haven't used it as much down there with him. Greg Kemp says DK's potential is relevant if the Hawks aren't going to ever use it with more targets or build offense around him and the Hawks don't seem to want to. They don't, uh, I mean, they, he had 10 targets today. Not all those were great throws his way. I'll give you that. But um, I feel pretty good about what DK's doing right now. I think he's, he's going to help us win games and he's, he's being fine. I think the big the issues with us on this team right now are in DK or the receiving courts, you know, getting the line better, getting the running blocking better, getting Gino with some smarter decision making, and we'll be better. We'll be better for it. Uh, Nicholas, lovely, love you, Brandon. Don't you ever forget, go Hawks. I'll never forget, brother. Never forget. I dig docs. Was DK's penalty in an after the whistle problem, or was it called block in the back? I didn't hear the call. Technically, I guess they just called it unnecessary roughness. They didn't delineate as to why it was unnecessary roughness. I believe it was during live action. I think the play was still going. He just blocked him too well, I guess. And it seems like they're targeting DK on these kind of plays to where if DK blocks a guy and gets a pancake, that means it's going to be a flag. I'm going to try to look at it with a video review this week to see what was what what on it. And uh, we'll get a little bit of a clear, I think, feeling from it from that. Sean says, Jamar Chase, second time in his career that he's been held to under 50% catches with 10-plus targets. Not too shabby. What a great stat. I love that. I love that. The Jock says, Zach, bit. Zach built truck in the red zone. Yes. Yeah, let's get it. Wu-Tang, yeah, people do forget Burrow to Chase is one of the most unstoppable connections in the league. Yeah, coming off their most unstoppable per point of production against the Cardinals, 15 catches. That was without T. Higgins. That was with the Cardinals. I know it's a bad Cardinal team, but they knew that they were going to try to you know, work it to chase throughout that game and couldn't stop him. Not in the least. Not in the least. John Lee says, nice stream today. Enjoyed being here. Well, thank you for having me. Or thank you for listening to me, Sean. I appreciate you being here, bro. WTC, are the Seahawks going to trade for anyone? My bold take on this at this point would be a no. I don't think that there's just going to be a, not that they wouldn't, but I don't think there's going to be a, tree, a team that's in sell mode who's going to have an asset that the Seahawks are going to want. And that's where it's the willingness will be there. The cap will be there. They got the pick draft pick compensation to make it work. But I don't know that the right trade is going to come up into alignment. Because Hawks says, yes, we'll never have a 2013 Hawks defense, but this group does have potential to be dangerous. That's well put, man. Yeah. 
and looking a lot more dangerous after today. I didn't know that I foresaw this defense in the offseason coming into this year, and even thinking once you had Witherspoon and Adams back in the flow, that you would be able to hold this Bengals team to 17 points at home. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty impressive on their part that they did it today. Five straight stops to finish the game. Yeah. Hell yeah. Greg, I'm glad Reek was able to bounce back later in the game. I just hope he becomes a better player than he was last year. I think he's going to keep getting better, and I still think he's the real deal. I do. Kingdom Joe, I honestly feel like we're in the right direction. Made a decent game tonight. I was frustrated with the red zone offense, but I mean, if the worst we have to work on is the red zone offense, we're good. Yeah, that's a great point, Joe. Certainly better to be having to work on red zone offense than, for instance, we got to get around these three and outs. Yeah, which we have been in, right? We, you can go to 2019, 2020, 21. Too many three and outs. Not enough consistent drives. I think one year we led the, t- led the league in three and outs, if I'm not mistaken. Nicholas says, I very much dislike PFF. Don't feel they're fair. Their scores can definitely be a little bit varied. I think there's, it's one of those you just don't want to try as much as we can to lean on them fully and wholly, but I think they're a value if you, you lean on them as a tool. Luke says, were the red zone issues more on Gino and O-line or Waldron? If I was passing out the blame on, on all of this, I would go, I would go 50% offensive line, 25% Waldron, 25% Gino. I would, I would parse it between all of those guys myself. But I think the offensive line is more at the forefront here of the problems in this game arose out of that. Dicted to Hawks. Brandon, thanks. DK blocks too hard. That meanie. Yeah, I know. I just, it's like, come on. That's how it feels to me. I just think he's blocking too hard. It's like, well, that's the, what he's supposed to do. When was this not what receivers were supposed to do? And if you watch the corner on the play, he gives this weak effort. Like DK comes up and hits him first in the, like, it was like DK was like literally going in DK's mind of, I don't want the Witherspoon hit thing to happen again. So he goes up to the corner and he hits the corner with a soft little first initial, initial salvo to say, hey, I'm here blocking you. You're about to get blocked. Get your GD hands up and start being ready for this. And instead the corner's just like. And then DK hits him. It's like, get your hands up, man. You're playing football. Uh, Greg, is he still re- recovering from injury? No, I think I think he's okay. I think Reek's fine. Do you actually have Brandon is right and holding the Bengals 17 at home? Very bright spot for the day. Very bright for me, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree with myself. Greg, who will have the better career, Spoon or Reek? <sighs> uh, probably Spoon, just because he can impact the game in more ways, I think, than Reek can. But I think they're both going to have tremendous careers. Greg Kemp says, Brandon, DK is playing having uh, DK is playing great, having his best season. But coming into this game, he was only getting 4.5 targets a game. And his targets this game only increased after he was getting wide open and missing him. Agreed there, Greg. There, there were certainly times, I think it was through a good part of this game, what did you get almost deep into the second quarter? And I think you had one, to, to your point, you only had one target to DK at that point. Um, I will say there are some times that they forget about DK in this offense when they shouldn't. And uh, that is, I think, a little bit of what you're trying to make as well as a point on that. And I think that's valid. Um, they, they could definitely time, find some times here to start to feature him a little bit in there. And he should be a lot more often the primary read on some of these plays. Um, I'm hoping maybe those come up, Greg, a little bit too with the, with the return to health on the offensive line. And Gino to have more time back there to not feel as under-rushed 
Because even in the times where he's not being rushed, he's getting feeling rushed a little bit in his mentality of things. So um, hopefully that uptakes better as we go forward on this. But I don't know. That's part we'll have to see. Sleepy pumpkin. Pumpkin's very sleepy. She's always sleepy. It is a weird week. We got the Giants still beating the Bills 6 nothing. Strange, strange, strange. All right. Well, we are uh, just passing four hours in, so I'm going to put a button on this one. I'll have a post-game wrap-up here for you guys uh, really soon. If you guys didn't, you can go click over onto my play-by-play stream. I did a Bleacher Report post-game stream breakdown over on that side of things. So uh, if you want to see the post-game kind of uh, discussion there, I'll try to post it in the comments too after the stream here today. So if you want to go check it out, I'll be continuing to do those but Bleacher Report kind of post-game breakdown video things over there. Um, if you can get over there and show your love, show the support just watching over there, it would help me out tremendously as uh, I want to continue to keep doing that in the future. I think it's a great pathway for the growth here on this channel and uh, just to kind of keep things expanded. So uh, I'll link down in the comment section. I'll pin it there for you guys. Click on that link for a quick little breakdown of this past post-game action, but uh, awesome of Bleacher Report to extend that offer to me out to them. I want to thank one last time as well, the sponsor of this channel throughout the course of this year, which is going to be the Bleacher Report, or my Bleacher Report, the Underdog Fantasy, Underdog Fantasy right now. Click my link down below in the description and you will get $100 of your first deposit matched, up to $100 on me, $100 from the Hawk's Nest to you. If you use my code NEST or click that link down in the description, they'll match you $100, giving away $2 million on the year, or $2 million on the year, $200,000 a week, that they're giving away in prize packages. So take advantage today. A lot of little cool games you can get into over there. I've got my picks I'll be giving up every week here. I just missed it this week by a little bit, by a little bit, by an inch, but I've had some good success overall. I'm in the positive this year overall. So um, do please uh, utilize that code, show support the channel if you get a chance. And in the state of Washington, there are limitations, but if you are in a casino in the state of Washington, you can then use the app. So even in the state, there are some uh, openings there as it is a little bit closed up in the state of Washington. Uh, Y2K, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, how about Spoon? Another quarterback pressure. Indeed. One of the few times you sent him on the day, he got himself a pressure. He's such a blur and he gets back there so very quick, right on top of Burrow before he could turn around to even find the throw. Just had to get the ball out of his hands and the ball knocked down um, at that point uh, in a play killed. Uh, but a good job. Good job by Spoon on the blitz. He's shown. That's why I say I think he just can maybe impact the game in a couple other ways. You know, he's got a, a blitz game. His tackling ability does give him some edges to what we get from Woolen. Uh, Woolen might be the better pure just, you know, guy getting interceptions and taking away the ball. But uh, they'll both be tremendous players. Luke Hurd, why didn't we go to more tight end packages like previous games? I, I think they're trying to work in Jackson Smith and Jigba, Luke. And I think they're trying very hard to get that done. And I think it draw it drew them a little bit too hard in getting that done to move them away from what they've had success in, being those two tight end sets. I, I think they'll learn their lesson from that in this game and probably go back a little bit more to that. Greg says, I still think Rick will have the better career. I like it, Greg. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Greg says, I Brandon, I've noticed that DK has seemed to be on the back burner on the first drives of the last two games to get Lockett, JSN, some targets. Yeah. That seems to be a bit of the case. And Gino today, Greg, is going to be in a situation where he's in a one-two progression read situation where because of the lineup in front of him and because the Bengals got the dogs up front to get it, get it, get it done, 
that he's not going to have the opportunity to go back there and go one, two, three, four, sometimes one, two. And then he's got to make his decision on what he's doing between those two. And I think there were times where DK wasn't that primary read today. Um, I think that's definitely a fair criticism. And uh, you should look to try to get him featured in a little bit more. He's a game changer at the position. And we don't often use him. I would say it's fair to say you don't totally use him that way. You still find productivity from him. The guy still does get his catches. He still does get his touches. But are, is there some more meat on that bone? Yeah, probably. Phoebe says, thanks for the stream. And thanks for answering all my questions. Chat and Brandon, of course. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, brother. The Doc's Boone is so quick. Would or Quicksilver be a good name? Flash or Quicksilver? I think Flash has been used too much. There's about 10 guys that have had the nickname of Flash. But uh, Quicksilver, I will add it to the uh, to the pollster list. I know we were going to do that tonight, but uh, we just did get to it. We'll get we'll get the poll up for his nickname here soon. But I got it added. Got it added. Spoon Flash. <laughs> that sounds dirty. Nick, tough week, but always remember, go Hawks. We will remember, Nick. Uh, thank you, uh, Y2K and Samuel and Garth. Thank you for finishing us off with some nice little donos by you guys. I really do appreciate that. Um, very kind of you guys, as well as I think all three of you guys as well, members of the stream, uh, members of the uh, channel. So thank you for as well, that double dip of support from you guys. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday with the B&B show at seven o'clock here as me and Brendan do unpack and break down this loss into a little bit of a greater depth. I know some Seahawk fans are troubled after this loss and frustrated after this loss, and I get it. I do get it. I think there's brighter days ahead for this team this season. I think we're going to make some noise this year. I don't know if we can quite reach the contender state. I think it's still there to us to take. I think it's a development thing, but the door is wide open for us to step through it. It's just a matter of will the team or won't the team this early on this year, year basically two still of the rebuild. We'll see. We'll see. No doubt about his talent. No doubt about its ability. And you saw that on the defensive side of the ball today and what they could bring when it's all rolling right, when it's all rolling well. Now we just got to get both parts of the team going good at the same time. See if they can pull that off. I'll be tracking it every step of the way throughout the rest of the course of this season. Do me a favor on the way out the door, slam that like button if you could for me. If you haven't already, I would really appreciate it. We just crossed today 13,800 subscribers. Let's go. But we are on the road to 15,000. So if you're one of those few out there that is not subscribed to the Hawks Nest and watch it regularly, please hit that Subscribe button. Help us get to that 15,000 mark because that's the eye on the prize here this season. That's the mark we're trying to hit. And that would be great to see if we could pull it off. It would mean that we'd have one third of our overall channel growth in just merely this year alone if we can hit that mark. Love to see it if we can do it. Uh, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for the discussion. Thank you even for the discussion from those of you out there that might have had you know some disagreement with me on some of this stuff. I do appreciate where you're coming from. And I, I sometimes I think I can get a little bit, especially I get deep into streams a bit moody at the end and not be as open to just hearing where people are coming from, even if I'm in real stark disagreement. But I appreciate the openness of the discussion here. I really appreciate the respectfulness that we were able to keep and maintain here where we didn't get snidey. We didn't have to you know go at it in that way. Keep things above board. And, and, and the discussion so much better and fruitful if we can do that. And that's the point of this channel is to have fruitful discussions. Yes, tell the truth. Yes, call it what it is, win it that way. But also have the good open discussion. And that's really at the forefront of this. And you guys are able to maintain that here in so many ways. And I really appreciate it. Thank you as well to all the support in the channel. Unfailing, always there, every stream. You guys are here with me every step of the way. I couldn't ask for more from you in that. Uh, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I hope you guys know from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it as I continue to get to do this full time, as I continue to get to make this my, my number one job. And it's because of you guys and that support. So thank you to you guys. We're going to be back next weekend at the Cardinals. We're going to get right. 
We're going to get to four and two. Turn our way then towards the Browns. Start, get this thing rolling. Get the momentum back in gear, okay? Defense still rolling right now. Just got to fix the offense. Offense is going to get fixed with some more bodies back to return on deck. Take my word for it. If you just take my word for it, one thing, take my word for it on this. This offensive line gets back to full health. This offense will take off. And yes, that does include the red zone. My name is Brandon Kane. This is Ox, this Ox Nest. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe. But beyond all that, do not ever forget...